get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. And O'Neal hits one out to center. Marte back at the wall. Goodbye. Two-run homer. Tyler O'Neal. The next by Gallegos. He struck him out. And Edmund hits it out to right center. It's at the wall. Gone! Tommy Edmund. Grand Slamma. And Carlson hits oh. it a ton out to deep right. It is gone! Three-run homer, Dylan Carlson. And the 3-2 again, and he struck him out. Flaherty with strikeout number five. Goldschmidt. High drive, out to left, you bet he's done it, he's done it, three home runs, Goldsmith, three home run night. <laughs> Baseball is back, good morning and welcome to Character Smallman, Danny Mac on a Thursday, opening day on 101 ESPN. Of course, Danny Mac had the call on what used to be FS Midwest. And happy birthday, start of life to Bally's Sports Midwest. <laughs> Bally's Sports Midwest. Here we go. It happened at uh, what? 12.59 last night, maybe? Yeah, or yeah. what? Midnight? I don't know. But yeah, we are, we're Bally Sports now. Congratulations. Oh, I'm. Thank you. I had a lot to do with it. <laughs> 702, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And Danny, one of the great, and actually this is a really salient comment that I've ever heard, came from Michelle, but it actually came from her dad about bunting. Oh, that's right. Not bunting the ball. No. no. Okay. So my dad always used to tell me when I was a kid, if we would go to Bush Stadium for opening day or for a playoff game, he'd, he'd look at me and go, you know how you know today's a big day? And I'd say how he's like bunting. He's right. They unfurl the bunting when it's a big nope. day. He's exactly right. That's right. That's awesome. I can't wait. It's going to be fun. We get it going today. We're going to have full 162. So, and it, as we talked yesterday, hopefully uh, full ballparks here, maybe midway through or in some places have some full ballparks or at least the opportunity to have people in the stand, so let's go. Jack Flaherty against Luis Castillo Flaherty. today, 310. And, of course, you can see the game with Dan and BT on Bally's Midwest. A lot of action, a full schedule around Major League Baseball today. And nobody will be happier about the start of the season than a guy whose story broke overnight, Francisco Lindor. We talked about him yesterday. He turned down 325 over 10. They came back and said, oh, how about 341 over 10? And he said, okay. So uh, Francisco Lindor, 341, $341 million over 10 years. Yeah, if you got to twist my arm, okay, 340. All right, I'm in. 
Yeah. yeah. Did you think it was not going to get done? I didn't. I, I, I thought, thought they'd get, get done. I thought they'd get that one done. The Rizzo non-extension surprised me. Correa doesn't surprise me. And uh, I'm still holding out some thought that maybe we'll have a DH before noon today. <laughs> I, I, I just do. I don't hey, know stranger, why. You Darvish thing. thinks so, too. He, Did he say that? Yes. He says that he trusts baseball will get it done before the first pitch today. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Like, Did you guys watch the spring training games at the very end so when the pitchers were hitting? Mm-hmm. It was terrible. Yeah. I'm it was good terrible. On, I'm good on pitchers hitting. I'm good. Like, love it when Adam Wainwright goes up there and he makes something happen, but it's such a rare occasion. <laughs> Michelle, I'm with you. I, I'm a traditionalist. I'm like, I love seeing the double switch and the the actual thinking of, okay, do I take this guy out? Do I bring in the pinch hitter? You know, there's all that. The, 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 the wheels are spinning. Yeah, the thinking man's game. Yeah, absolutely. And then I looked back in 2019 and I saw collectively pitchers hit 123 or 124. And I was like, well, that's not good. And Fair I'm thinking, all. okay, they haven't swung a bat for a year and a half. I'm thinking maybe they hit 100 this year. Maybe. Well, yesterday the Cardinals worked out at the So-So American Ballpark. Oh, it's a great American ballpark, actually. Oh, yeah. But you think it's a So-So. I think ball- it's just okay. So-So. All right. <laughs> Got it. And as Jack Flaherty spoke to the media... Adam Wainwright was out on the field cranking home runs. I think you're going to see it in, in, in game. I mean, we're going to try to do everything we can to, you know, push for uh, pitchers hitting, you know, going forward. So, you know, we didn't get a lot of at-bats in spring. So, you know, we're going to we're gonna give it everything we got. But, you know, we work on it day in, day out. He's, he's fun to watch take BP. He was, you get the position players out there first time we fit around them. So he's trying to put on a little bit of a show for them. Uh, but, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, normally when we're there, the pitchers go in and they do their BP mm-hmm. and you're seeing like just a lot of ground balls and stuff like that. And, you know, it looks like little league guys hitting ground balls. And then Wayno steps in and, he, and he's like, all right, I'm going to crank a couple. And he does. <laughs> wow. he, he does hit a couple of home runs. I, somebody will walk into a home run this year. One of our pitchers will do that. Oh, yeah. You know, and part of that is the competitiveness, and that's fostered by Wayno. Everything the Cardinal pitchers do, the starting pitchers do, is a competition, whether it's home runs or whether it's uh, getting strike one. He had a competition a couple of years ago, and one of the reasons Cardinals pitching was so good down the stretch in 2019 is because after the All-Star break, Wayno came back and said, okay, let's, let's have a bet. Who can throw the most strike ones? Yeah. And all of a sudden, everybody throw, started throwing strike one. That's right. And and there was like, I, I, I'd love to get John Smoltz on at some point, but he, it was John Smoltz, Glavin, and Maddox, and they had like a kangaroo court for if he went to like 3-2. You know, I mean, they, they didn't even really? want to go to ball three. It was something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're always playing golf and doing different things and having those, you know, inner working games and that kind of thing. But that's what they did. But the bigger point was like, hey, as long as we throw strikes, we're going to be all right. And I hope going into this season, that's the mindset of this Cardinal staff because uh, obviously it's a very good defensive, very good defensive team that the Cardinals have. So throw strikes, put the ball in play. And oh, by the way, Mo was on with the fast lane guys yesterday. He said, hey, we're all ready. Yeah, and I think like, you know, you got a little taste of it in spring training, but the difference between spring training and now is it all matters and it counts. And so, yeah, I just think that, that, you know, as we landed here in Cincinnati and the thought of uh, getting the season underway, it's just a lot of people jacked. And, um, you know, I think everybody's just looking forward to tomorrow. And then that's the start of uh, a really long journey, but hopefully we get off to a great start. And uh, I think from a, baseball standpoint you know we feel like we're really prepared for the season and ready to get going 
I don't think the Cardinals absolutely need to get off to a great start. And Mo is a really global thinker. He's really a big picture thinker. And I really think this Cardinal team will be much better in the second half. That's historically, and Tony set that up. He set up his team for the stretch run. They might get off to a great start because their division is not great. But I don't think it's a necessity for them to get off to a great start. But to your point, I was thinking as he was saying that, that they have a great chance to because of their competition within the, yeah. within the, the division. I agree. Uh, I also think this is a chance to get off to a good start against a Reds team that hit 212 last year as a team. And they don't have Iglesias. You're not going to see Sonny Gray this weekend. You know, that that helps that you don't see Sonny Gray. Last year, the, the Cardinals won the season series against the Reds. They never saw Trevor Bauer. You know, think about that. If, yeah. they, if they would have seen Trevor Bauer, they may not make postseason play. So it's a, it's a very good chance to get off to a good start. It's so weird how the schedule is set up. You go to Cincinnati, then you go back to Florida mm-hmm. to play Miami, and then you come home. It's odd, but... Hey, get off to a good start. I think it's imperative if you look at the Central Division, the team that has to get off to a good start, the Cubs, because they have all those guys that are going to be free agents. And so if they're not playing well, then trade deadline comes, they're gone. Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, said yesterday that he hopes, quote, I hope by midsummer that we have ballparks that are unrestricted and we have full fan access. I'm pleased that we've gotten here. I think the players and the club people did a tremendous job during spring training, a continuation of what they did last year, and I'm just hopeful we're going to be able to play a season that looks like normal. I, I You know, that's everybody's hope and indications are everything. The numbers are going that way and, and municipalities are opening opening up. Uh, but I don't know if you guys saw this. The Nationals got hit with COVID yesterday. Mm-hmm, and, you know, so it's still there. It's not like it's not a, a problem and not that you got to wonder who has been vaccinated, who hasn't, what teams have been able to do this. And so it's a every day. I, I remember talking to Mo and Mike Schilt about this every day. You kind of wake up. They're on a team app and you say, OK, we're all right. Let's play today. And then the next morning you wake up and do the same thing. You know, you find out who's on your list. And the Cardinals did reach the 85% threshold that Major League Baseball requires. So they'll be able to have a normal clubhouse. They'll be able to go into the dugout and not wear masks. And they'll be able to get as close to normal as possible. Do you still want to social distance? Yes. Do you still want to practice all the protocols that you can reasonably? Yes. But the Cardinals are in a position now. Baseball required 85% of the traveling party to... uh, be vaccinated and they are yeah and and that's huge i mean the fact that they were able to get off the plane and and get shots in the arm and thank goodness that they went through a spring training i was concerned about spring training with all the different people that you would have at the ballpark or it's just human nature i mean you're going to be together in a clubhouse or wherever you go and as we saw last year it takes one and if you're around somebody then it spreads and it's just a nightmare and thank goodness they got through spring training and everybody's healthy and let's have a full 162. I after reading these comments from Rob Manfred I don't know about you guys but I would be shocked if in the second half of the season we don't have full stadiums. I'm with you I I agree I I guess you got to look at the states that have been locked down and those particular cities that are in those states you know how quickly they open up but i think we will get there I certainly do. by the time we get to that point everybody who wants a vaccine will be able to get one mm-hmm. and that's what baseball is looking at and if you don't have a vaccine and somehow you contract the virus and something happens untoward then ultimately it'll be on you the vaccine is it's free and by that point it'll be easy for everybody to get i mean heck we've got 
access now for kids. So we're going to reach a point very, very soon where everybody who wants one is going to be able to get one. A lot of states are saying 16 and older. We're open for business. Yep. Yep. So come on and get it. Yep. There you have it. We're off and running on opening day 2021. Character Smallman McLaughlin coming up. We will get you ready for the Cards and Reds. Dan will have the game this afternoon on Bally's. And we'll tell you about Jack Flaherty and Luis Castillo next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> The Cardinals will open up against a new-look Cincinnati Reds club today at the SoSo American Ballpark. Last year, they had the Cy Young Award winner in the National League, Trevor Bauer. And Michelle and Dan, they also had a different-looking infield. Iglesias, you mentioned him in the first segment, Dan, was a huge part of what they did because he was solid defensively. They were, they were a pretty good defensive team last year, even though they couldn't score runs. Man, I don't know about... Eugenio Suarez at short. I do know about Mike Moustakis at third. Yeah, it leaves a little bit to be desired. Now, they do have a hotshot prospect named Jonathan India who's going to make his major league debut. And their projected lineup has Jesse Winker in left, Castellanos in right, Vado at first, Suarez, Moustakis, and Senzel, India, Barnhart, and then Castillo. I look at that group, and I can't figure out why they can't hit. I, I can't either. I mean, especially right. the middle of that lineup, Castellanos, Vado, Suarez, Moustakis, and Nick Senzel, who's a good player, young prospect that they've touted for the last few years. It's a very good lineup, in my opinion, in a small ballpark. It's just going to be a matter if they can pitch. Luis Castillo is nasty. This guy's really good. It's kind of like when you're watching the game today, he has modeled his game after uh, Pedro Martinez, and those two have become friends, and he throws a really good changeup. It's uh, been a devastating pitch for him. Actually threw a complete game against the Cardinals last year. Tyler Malley will go in game two, and then Jeff Hoffman in game three. So I, I think if you're looking at the series and how you win it, it's going to be getting into their bullpen and and really the Cardinals pitching, I think, is superior in this regard to the Cincinnati Reds. That lineup last year not producing, I think they had a 212 collective team batting average was such a question mark. And when we look at the division, we've talked ad nauseum about the Brewers, about what the Cubs could be. I always wonder about the Reds, if they're kind of laying in wait, if that offense can find a way to click and produce what kind of a threat they could be. They put a lot of their eggs, Michelle, in the basket of 2020. And they thought, okay, here we have Bauer. We, we've got Castellanos. We, we're going to go out and get Moustak. They did all these things. And then you have the shortened season, and it just didn't work. And to the point that they did get into postseason play against the Braves, and in those games, they did not score a run. Now, I, I don't understand how that could possibly happen with that lineup, but they didn't score a run in that series against the Atlanta Braves. The other question mark, and I – I'm assuming Joey Votto plays today. He is projected to be in their lineup, as we've talked about. But he was hit with COVID, and uh, so he was recovering from COVID in spring training. There was a question mark as to whether or not he would be in there this morning, but I, I would anticipate that he does play. I'm interested in watching him. I've always enjoyed watching Joey Votto play because he's an interesting character. But watching him today, his stance has changed from last year. He's more upright in his stance and looking for a little bit more power. And actually, he was one of the better 
offensive performers at the tail end, the final month of last season. He changed his stance and see if that carries over to 21 and, and, and some success for him. For the Cardinals, it'll be Tommy Edmond leading off and playing second base. Last year it was Colton Wong, and Edmond won that job in spring training. Goldie hitting second, Arenado hitting third, and this is a projected lineup. This isn't what Mike Schilt has definitely put down yet. DeYoung, O'Neill, and Molina. Carlson, Williams, and Jack Flaherty making his second consecutive Major League start. How big of a deal is making the opener? I mean, it's going to be fun to have a full, you know, whole 162 to go out and compete with these guys. You know, in terms of opening day, I think every start that we take, whether it's in spring training or whether it's, uh, you know, the last game of the season, takes on the same importance. Um, so there's no added importance on it on it being opening day. There's no, and it's not to, you know, like, uh, you know, talk down the fact of, you know, it's, it's cool to be starting on opening day. But every start that we take on has, has the same importance. It uh, has, we we give the same level of, of commitment to it and and. Uh, uh, you know, preparation and everything. So it's it, from start one of spring training to, to the last start we get in the season, each one takes on the, the same amount of prep and importance. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun to go do it. It's just, it's just start one, start one of the year. The thought process is 100% correct. Right. You can't disagree with what he said there. But I have to believe, and especially because he's a baseball historian, that Flaherty sees a 39-year-old Adam Wainwright at the locker next to him and says, wow, I'm starting opening day. And that guy had a good year last year, and I'm starting opening day. I I believe that Jack knows what an honor this is. He's also someone that probably wants that opportunity. And I would imagine in in a year like this that he would want to go out there opening day, start number one, as he said, and make a statement. Yeah, and he's been really good, by the way, against the Reds. He did not face them last year. But in doing some numbers here in 2019, three starts, 2-0, 0.55 ERA. You know, a lot of people look at Jack's season last year and go, man, what, what happened there? He had one really awful start against Milwaukee, and that cost him in his ERA. He only made eight starts, but the, the start against Milwaukee was terrible. He went three innings, he gave up nine earned. But if you take that, that start away, he would have been in the uh, the top uh, 20 in, in ERA of the National League. So Something like 21 earned runs that he allowed, right? right? In so, that vicinity? Yeah. And, the, and nine came in three innings of one oh. game. That's right. So Jack's 4-9-1 ERA was 85th in Major League Baseball, 41st in the in the National League. If you take away that start, now, again, I mean, you're playing with numbers here. He's in the top 15, top 20, something like that of ERA. So it was one bad start, stuck out, and it's in a short season, tough to get it back down because you don't make many starts and don't have many innings to get it back. But he was okay last year, and by the end, he was pretty darn good against San Diego. And it's a shortened season in which they had many disruptions in their scheduling Mm -hmm. and in their rhythm because of COVID and where he basically was being controlled because the Cardinals wanted to be careful with him. Absolutely, and they were just making sure that he didn't get hurt. And he actually, to his credit, came back and said, I appreciate how the Cardinals handled me. Yeah. And they knew they, they handled him with kid gloves. They built him up to the back end of the season. And I thought in the final start against the Padres, he was excellent in that start. Mike Schilt and his team worked out yesterday. How are they feeling? Segment level's high. Guys are super uh, encouraged about getting the season started. You know, we had a nice brisk workout. Guys, um, you know, got after it. We did a little t- a few touch and feels with some pitchers and 
um, you know, threw the bases, took, took some ground balls and, and had nice BP and guys just in a good place, mentally, physically and ready to go. During the Zoom session yesterday, there was that fire alarm going off at the SoSo American Ballpark. It was up in the press box, too. And actually, they cut it short so that they could get Schilt and the Cardinals out of there. Do you guys remember when Austin Gomber had a no-hitter going mm-hmm. in the Great American Ballpark and the, uh, the fire alarm went off and it disrupted? He went out to warm up. It was like the seventh inning, I think. He went out to warm up, and then it started, yep. you know, you started hearing the sirens. And then the umpire's like, okay, they were just standing around. All right, go to your dugouts. Then they go to the dugouts, and they go back out there, and then he has to uh, get loose again, and they gave up, or he gave up a hit or something like that, whatever. So the no-hitter was broken up. I asked Austin one time, I said, what do you think of that? He goes, oh, plan had to be planned. Had <laughs> yeah, to be planned, yeah, yeah. you know. But it was on back-to-back days because it was Ponce de Leon the day before that had a no-hitter going into the yeah. sixth or seventh inning. So. Yeah, flashbacks, man. That's not good. I want that fire alarm to stay down, stay quiet. You remember Fred McGriff's first game for the Braves against the Cardinals in press 83? box exploded with fire. Yeah, the, the, there was a massive fire in the press box at uh, Atlanta Fulton, Fulton County, County Stadium, and it caused a two-hour delay in the game, and it just burned the hell out of the press box. It was a major, major fire. fire. Wow! And then after the two-hour delay, McGriff hits a couple of home runs against the Cardinals, and the Braves have one of the great comebacks in history. Yeah, against the Giants. You know, you just. If you're not doing well, like today, and it's a cold day in Cincinnati, just start a fire. <laughs> that's what they're going to do. Yeah. Maybe that's what's going to happen. Pull that alarm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to go back to Jack Flaherty, and I think we've all seen the shoes. He's going to wear Lou Brock on his left shoe, uh, photos of Lou and Bob Gibson on his right with R.I.P. Bob and R.I.P. Lou. And he was asked about designing those shoes. I mean, I think it's pretty simple as, you know, wanting to do it. Why? You know, anyway, you can honor those those two Cardinal legends. Um, it's uh, it was special. It was something that one of my, you know, one of my buddies and I we talked about. You know, what can we do for at least for opening day and and for the season? And uh, that was something we came up with to, you know, honor honor both of them. Um, just absolute legends, Cardinal legends, baseball legends, and uh, you know, it's it's gonna be. It came out great. It's gonna be fun to wear them. As a Cardinal fan, I love that he appreciates the history of this franchise. He appreciates the greats of this franchise. And by the way, he embraced both of those two in life as well. But here's a guy that wears number 45 Bob Gibson jersey around. And that's something that I would, I know that Bill DeWitt Jr. and Bill DeWitt III and John Mozeliak, the front office, they do embrace that part of it because there aren't many players that appreciate the history of the franchise to that level. Yeah, it's always nice to see players have reverence for the greats within the Cardinals organization and for the organization itself. And the city and Jack Flaherty definitely has that. And I always think that's interesting when he talks about how meaningful things like that are to him because I think a lot of Cardinals fans assume he has one foot out the door, that mm-hmm. he's going to leave the organization at some point because he's going to get more money elsewhere. And That always brings me a little bit back. It causes me to take a step back because I wonder how much stuff like that does mean to him in the grand scheme of things to be a part of an organization like the Cardinals. Oh, it it means something to him. And he and Bob had a a very good relationship um, to the point that Bob was in town and pulled him aside down in the dugout and said, I want to talk to that young man. And, And Jack said, oh, you know, this is great. Bob Gibson wants to talk to me. And Bob made a point to where he went to him and talked to him about the slider because he saw how good it could be. And they talked about grips and different things like that. They used to text each other, which is neat. I mean, you know, you have this legend texting a a modern-day player, which is incredible. Um, I talked to Bill DeWitt III. I'll be interested today if uh, this will be the case. I don't know if it's just going to be 
maybe maybe with the home opener or starting with the home jerseys, but uh, there should be a patch to uh, remember Bob Gibson to whether it's on the chest or on the sleeve. But they are going to have that worn throughout the years. My understanding, which right. is wonderful. Uh, you know, Bob passed away on the final day of the Cardinal season last mm-hmm. year against the Padres. So it didn't have that chance to honor him last year. They did honor Lou when he passed, and now a chance maybe to honor Bob Gibson throughout the season, which is wonderful. Michelle, Dan, Randy on opening day 2021. Coming up, we're going to head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Greg Amzinger of MLB Network is going to talk about his favorite team's opening day next on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Coming up at 8 o'clock, we don't necessarily want you to leave us, but you can turn the TV on because MLB Network is going to start 17 straight hours of live opening day coverage. It gets underway at 8 o'clock here uh, on uh, or in Secaucus, New Jersey on MLB Network. Our great friend, the native St. Louis and the product of the Lindenwood University, Greg Amzinger, is with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Happy opening day. Hey, thank you very much, Randy. This will be the first opening day that I begin the season on the IL. So I, I know what it's like now to be a player that, that was excited to start anew, but you have to wait a bit. So I'll be waiting. My debut will be Friday. I'll be debuting Friday. I won't be part of the 17 hours. So that's fine. I'll just be wearing my, my, my Cardinal underwear, my Cardinal jersey, and sitting around waiting for the game to start. So Greg's IL is retroactive, which is good. And you get to experience it like everybody else. You just get to uh, sit on the, the couch at home and take in all the coverage on MLB Network, and it'll be unbelievable. What are you going to eat? <laughs> well, that's a very good question. My appetite hasn't exactly um, been <laughs> animalistic yet. I've been fruits and vegetables Think of like a deer uh, tailgating for uh, opening day. That's kind of what I'm like right now. I like that visual, Greg. I really do. Well, since since it's opening day, we're going to do some predictions later in the show. So we need to start with you. Greg, who do you have winning the World Series? And how many games do the Dodgers win it in? Uh, You're not on the Dodgers winning the World Series, believe it or not. Wow, who do you have? I have. uh, I do believe you can have too much depth. And therefore... Egos get involved, and I believe Dave Roberts will have the most grueling season ever managing so many talented players. David Price is saying all the right things right now. Uh, I'm, I'm okay. Put me in the bullpen. I don't mind. This is eventually going to wear thin on this Dodger team. to have so many players who are so good, and they can't get repetition. Whereas the San Diego Padres are much more balanced. Everyone's still in a spot. Uh, and then if they do have injuries – They've got a young farm system that is still overflowing with talent. Even though they made so many moves, they still have a a very fruitful farm system. I have the Padres going to the World Series, playing the Yankees in the World Series, and the Padres eventually winning the World Series. 1998. I I didn't hear the Cardinals in that, Greg. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry, Dan. I have them in my National League Power Rankings. I have the Cardinals fourth. I have them fourth behind the, the Padres, the Dodgers, the Braves, and then the Cardinals. With the Mets right behind now uh, after this $341 million extension to Francisco Lindor. Uh, what do you think about the Cardinals this year and, and the Central Division as a whole? I think the Cardinals win it in the walk. I think it's the least competitive division. Um, it's a, a collection of teams that I don't know if they have an identity right now. 
do we know for for certain that the group in Milwaukee is going to be together next year? Uh, I don't. I think Josh Hader is wearing a different uniform by the trade deadline. Uh, I I'm, I think the the Cincinnati Reds experiment of Suarez at shortstop could be a debacle. This could be one of the worst defensive teams we've seen in a long time. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates will break their record for uh, most losses in a single season, which I think is 113. That was done by the Pittsburgh Alleghenies back in the early uh, 1900s. That's how bad they are. Uh, and the Cubs have terrible mojo. When Theo says, I'm out, because the ownership group is frugal, that's not exactly a good sign. And if you can't sign the most signable Cub ever in Anthony Rizzo to an extension before opening day, then you've got a lot of problems on your plate. So I, I just don't think any of these teams have, have a good mojo anywhere close to what the Cardinals have going into opening day. Greg, all three of us really like you, Brian Hayes, the third baseman for the Pirates. If they have one shining light with that franchise right now, he seems to be it. Yeah, and I would say Josh Hartley, a Lindawood University product. I'll slide that in there. Uh, big kid, had a good spring. He throws hard. Uh, they think he could be a weapon out of the bullpen, but Brian Hayes is, is going to be the future face of this organization. It's just it's pain, painful to say that they've only got one young guy that, that's exciting right now. And it's, look, they've got a couple other players that, that you could hang your hat on, but this is a team that traded away Glass now and Austin Meadows. Okay, and, 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 and for a guy that's back with that team, I mean, there's just they've made so many bad decisions. Uh, if there was an ownership group that, would, that should be forced to sell, it should be nutty, and that group with the Pittsburgh Pirates because they're just not putting a competitive product on the field. Greg, you mentioned the Lindor contract. If people are just getting up and don't, didn't realize it, overnight he agreed to a 10-year, $341 million deal with the Mets in their heart of hearts. And I know Steve Cohen, their owner, has lots and lots and lots of money. But are Sandy Alderson and that front office kind of saying, thank you, Robinson Cano? <laughs> yes, in many ways. That's a great point. Uh, because he got popped for PEDs, it saved them a lot of money. They're not paying him uh, his salary this year. Uh, it's too bad for Robbie that he actually thought he needed to do that again. Um, I know a great dude. I, I hate saying that, but he cheated. Um, I, it, it cost him money, and it saved the Mets enough money to go do some stuff. Up to this move, I got to tell you, I, I was disappointed with the Mets this winter because, yes, they've spent money going around the diamond. They, they have they've added pieces all along the way. But to me, it was a bunch of plan Bs. I didn't see Bauer in the rotation. Um, I saw Taiwan Walker. I, to me, that's a plan B. I didn't see JT Realmuto behind home plate. I saw James McCann. To me, that was a plan B. I didn't see George Springer in center field. So I, 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 was, I was hearing all this talk about the Mets owning the winner. Uh, and Francisco Lindor not getting an extension before opening day, to me, was just another plan B move by the Mets. Yes, they traded for this guy, but now they're not going to hold on to this guy. So that's that's not exactly the best option. So the fact that they got this done before opening day, a la Mookie Betts with the Dodgers a year ago, uh, to me, it, it, it plants them perfectly behind the Braves in that division. I don't think they're going to be as good as the Braves, but it's going to put them in the playoffs. And having the Mets and the Yankees in the playoffs, I know this sounds like East Coast bias, but I am here and I've experienced this sport now for a while. It's good for baseball when both the Mets and the Yankees are good. It just is. Greg, 2020 was such a weird season for so many players and teams. So who's a player or team that you think was really impacted by the truncated season that will bounce back or break out in a big way? 
Mm, that's a really good question. There are so many young teams out there that I think if you look at the clubs that wanted to build from their, their farm system and, and really try to take that, that next step, uh, I personally thought the Kansas City Royals were in position to make a splash last year, but they're young pitching, a kid like Brady Singer who came up and showed us so many great things last year, former college right-hander. I think he's in for a monster year leading his staff uh, along with Keller and the Royals. But when you're building with young talent like that in your rotation, you need a normal every fifth day routine. It's kind of imperative, in my opinion. And to not do that, to not have that, really, I think, held the Kansas City Royals back from what they believed they could have done in 2020. I've had conversations with Mike Matheny, and he thought last year was the year that they were prepared to strike with all their young arms. But because of everything that happened, that got moved back to 2021. I still have them as one of my favorite teams going into this year to surprise a lot of clubs. I think the Cincinnati Reds were really affected by all this. They had veterans. It was the kind of opposite of what I just said. Uh, a team that was built, they went in with a bunch of DHs. It's as if uh, Dick Williams knew they were going to have this opportunity to load up offensively with a bunch of slug and, and, and let's see if we can sneak into the playoffs and win the World Series in this weird year. And it, it just fell apart on them in, 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 in a heartbeat. And, you know, they, they played well below the expectations going in. And, and then Dick Williams steps down. And now they've got too many position players, not enough positions to play. Uh, to me, I think the Reds were drastically affected by that truncated season. Greg Amzinger, a couple more things. The rankings for jersey sales came out yesterday. And no surprise, Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, 1-2. Kershaw is number 5, as it should be. Fernando Tatis is up there. Harper is up there. Aaron Judge, Acuna, Francisco Lindor. Kike Hernandez is 9. And Mike Trout is 10th in Major League Jersey sales. Mm-hmm. Is that a problem? I mean, Tom Brady always leads the the NFL. Should your best player lead in Jersey sales? Uh, you you would hope so, or be ahead of Kike uh, Hernandez at least. Kike uh, Hernandez was mind boggling, but you know he's a funny, big personality guy. Uh, Dodger fans loved him when he was there. Now he's in Boston, which is another major market. Uh, Mike Trout is a great player, lunch pail kind of guy. Doesn't really want the fame of of being a Hall of Famer. He he doesn't want it, and he's never really clamored for it. Um, he's put a lot of opportunities on, on, off to the side. I don't think this is someone that wants to do the, the media rounds. If, if he was the face of a video game, he doesn't want to do all that stuff. He'd rather say no to side money. He's got a contract that's worth almost half a billion dollars. So he doesn't really do it for the money. He's still a simple guy. I'll tell you a story. Um, I went to his MVP party the night of the New York Writers Center in obviously New York City. And it's at this great club and and it's you know, VIP. You gotta get an invitation from the from the club. The Angels were the ones that paid for it. And Artie Moreno's walking around and get a chance to me and my wife get a chance to meet him. But it's just like a handful of media folks. The organization, the people that worked for the Angels that flew there to New York City for Mike. And then it's his entire high school class. Like it was a high school reunion <laughs> from from New Jersey. It's like it, these are these are the people he wants to be around. So he's a very simple guy, and he's not marketing himself, and he's doing that intentionally. So he's tense, and it's no one's fault. It's just the way Mike Trout wants it. 
I also think it doesn't help his cause, Greg, when he's not in the postseason every year. I think it, yeah, but but you know, as as we say that, don't we all think he's the best player in baseball right now? Everyone says that he's the best player in baseball. He's the best player in baseball. He's the best player in baseball. So we, it's not as if he's going to show us something that we don't already know. It, he's not going to prove he's the best player in baseball and sway us by playing in the postseason. Uh, I just think he's kind of uh, a vanilla, boring superstar. I think, though, you know what, though, Greg, to to Michelle's point, though, and I think she's right, you're right, everybody says he's the best guy, but we don't see him. Right. And that's the thing, that if you're watching as a general fan in postseason play, now he's on the biggest stage, so at least you see him. And if he's playing late at night, you don't see him a lot. And I think that's what maybe where you're going with that. Yeah, Greg, I always say that Mike Trout being the best player in baseball is like an urban legend because hardly anyone has seen it. <laughs> well, unfortunately, uh, those fans haven't been staying up watching the late MLB tonight because there's a really flashy host. There's a flashy host on that show right. that, that does a lot of Mike Trout live look-ins, and you'll get a chance to see all the Mike Trout you want. <laughs> So I would recommend they watch that show. Are you talking about Harold Reynolds? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Nolan Arenado, 11th in jersey sales, and Yachty is number 15 at the moment. Hey, one last thing before we let you go, and you're going to sit down, you're going to watch a lot of games today, and obviously throughout the course of the season you do. But when you sit down, you rarely have the ability to do what you're going to do today, watch three or four games. And when I talk to people, I say, what do you love about baseball? Whether it's the grace of the defense or whether it's the power of somebody to hit a home run, whether it's that one-on-one battle between a pitcher and a batter that is the game within the game. What is it, what individual aspect of it makes Greg Amzinger love baseball so much? I love when egos collide. So it's the mano-a-mano pitcher-batter, okay? So when Ronald Acuna is, is at the plate and Josh Hader throws the sixth straight fastball and he fouls it straight back once again, and you know Josh Hader's not coming off the fastball, and you know Ronald Acuna Jr. knows he's not coming off the fastball, so you have power ego against power ego, and as a man with an ego like I have, (laughs) I just thoroughly enjoy that. Two hard-headed stars. Who will prevail? To me, there is no other sport that can replicate that. And the other part of baseball that I love is when we're – and, and Dan does a great job of this when he calls Cardinal games. You sit in it. There's no sport that makes you sit in the suspense like baseball. So two outs, ninth inning, bases loaded, Cardinals up a run, right? Jordan Hicks is on the mound, three balls, two strikes, a tight shot of his face. We're waiting. Dan's letting it breathe. All of a sudden, foul ball, we do it again. We have to go through the whole entire emotional experience. To me, it's why baseball – it's, it's just the perfect sport. Anybody of any size can be the star that day and save the game. So I, I can't wait to experience all of those emotions over and over and over again this summer. You know, I, I, you made me think of something I was talking with. Uh, I can't remember who it was a couple of days ago. And they say, well, it's a team sport. I said, really, it's not. You know, the, the, it is a team they're out there. We say that's the team, but it's it's one on one, man. It, it's it's you against that ball, or it's you against that other player, one on one. And that's how I look at it. I really do. It, it really is that way. And you have your teammates. If you're a pitcher, yeah, you got your guys. Sure. Hopefully they're ready. But you have the ball. The game is the ball, and whoever has the ball in their hand lets go of the game when he lets go of the ball. So now no one owns it, and let's see if Ronald Acuna Jr. can own it with his bat.
I just love that that thought process behind it. And, and there's such a lack of control, even though these players have so much of it in in, in such a difficult sport to have control in. So I, I just absolutely am obsessed with the sport. Greg Amsinger, we'll miss you on MLB Network. 17 straight hours of live opening day coverage today, but we will be with you tomorrow on MLB <laughs> Network as you make your grand and triumphant return coming off the I.L. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you, my first IL stint. I'll be ready. I'll be ready for tomorrow night. <laughs> You're the best. Talk to you later. I right, see you guys. See you, Greg. That's Greg Amsinger, MLB Network on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got a quick take it or leave it. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Tioli is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Time for Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Emily, Michelle, Dan, and Randy. And uh, guys, as you know, the NFL has expanded their schedule now to 17 games. The 1972 Miami Dolphins win 14-0, 17-0 to win the Super Bowl and completed an undefeated season. Of course, the 2007 uh, New England Patriots went 16-0 and then went 19-0 to win the Super Bowl as well and obviously went undefeated. I've got a patch in my office you that do, says, yeah, 19-0 yeah, New England Patriots. Yeah. Got it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, take it or leave it. With this, be somewhere else. With this new schedule format, we have seen the last of undefeated regular seasons. Nobody will ever go 17-0 in a regular season. Uh, that's a good one. I'm going to take it because I think it's really difficult to go undefeated anyway. So if you add another game onto the schedule, you're just increasing your odds of not getting it done. Yeah. I would say someone will go undefeated. It's going to be tough. I don't know how you stay injury free to be be able to do it. Yeah, Yeah, right. It's a good one. Might be the 2021 Dolphins. Oh, that's right. We're looking great. See, I would be happy if it's as long as it's not the Patriots. I'm cool. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm fine with it. Or the Rams. Definitely. They, they should be on. <laughs> thank you, Michelle. That's on the top them. of my list. Yeah, yeah. That, but that was like a given. I, right? I figured that we all just assumed that that's what you were thinking, Dan, but had to throw it out there. Yes. In case uh, there's a new listener out there. Yeah, definitely not the Rams. But no, I do think if somebody can keep their key guys healthy, yes, I think somebody could do it. I think we could see uh, definitely a 15 and 2, 16 and 1, maybe even. But. It's just so hard to win games. And, heck, we've only had those two unbeaten seasons in the history of the league. Right. Unbeaten, untied. So I I just have trouble believing that with 17 games to cover and all the injuries that you do deal with, the teams are going to be able to pull that off. Yeah. Be tough. So, guys, last night I was scrolling through social media and I followed Jack Flaherty on all platforms. And he posted a thing on social media that's a mashup of highlights of him going out there and dominating and the Joker, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. Now, I only saw that movie once. It was very good. But I I know that the Joker was scary. So I went back and I was looking at some things. And one of the quotes from the Joker movie is, I used to think that my life was a tragedy, but now I realize it's a comedy. Take it or leave it. You hope that this season is not a comedy for Jack Flaherty. Oh, take that for sure. Take that, yeah. Yeah. That that's obvious. Yeah, it's, it's not. Yeah. Good. He's always done that though. He's always had the Joker memes and yes, things of that yes. nature. Kind of the sly guy. Right. I, I look at it that way. A sly, a uh, threat. Yeah. Yeah. Threatening dangerous and scary. Threat. D- dangerous threat. Scary. I'm a scary dude. But we hope it's not a comedy. 
No, it's no. not a comedy. <laughs> if it, it is, it's going to be a long season. That's what I thought. Here's Jack Flaherty honesty, by the way. Yesterday, somebody said Jack MLB came out with their uh, hype video for the 2021 season, and there's like 11 or 12 teams represented, but not the Cardinals. What do you think of that? And he said, well... I really don't think MLB does a good job with their videos, and I don't follow them on any of their platforms. <laughs> Is that what he said? Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> wow. Also, what do we think about Jack the Joker as a nickname? Kind of like that. Yeah, I like that, too. I like that. Yeah, as long as you understand the background of the Joker. Correct. Yes. But all they'd have to do is go to social media, and they see it. Absolutely. The, the branding is there. Take it or leave it, guys. We're going to have four teams that have 100 losses this year in Major League Baseball. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Detroit? I had Detroit on my list, potential. Who's your fourth? Rangers could be a bad team and the Rockies. Yeah. Oh, the Rockies. The Rockies in That's that division. That's a good one. I'm going to take that. I'm going to leave Good. it. It's, it's hard to lose 100 games. It's re- it's really hard, but it's it's disappointing that we don't like you're talking about how hard it is to go to 17 and 0 in the NFL, right mm-hmm. guys? So that's because there's parity. And in the in the new CBA that comes out whenever it does, God willing we'll have baseball next year and I think we will, but that we get more to an incentive of teams to say you can't tank. Y- y- you get yeah. rewarded for winning and you you're penalized for losing and and that's what we have to have in baseball get more parity definitely so that's where i'm at but yeah i, I wouldn't be surprised by four that lose 100 this year yeah. three are i think easy to lose 100 I, I think so too and that's that's not good no you don't want that emily what do you have for us from the 806 and that is amarillo amarillo texas i love it Shout out Texas. Amarillo, you're on the air. And they said they love the show, by the way. (laughs) Hello, Amarillo. Take it or leave it. (laughs) Arenado will have one of his signature defensive plays in his first regular season game. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that, too. I'm going to take that. And when you watch him now every day, and I don't know if fans had uh, the opportunity because a lot of day games you're probably at work and didn't see it, watch him on the routine plays, how easy he makes them look, and then some of the more difficult ones look like their routine. So he may have these like ridiculous plays, and he will have. He had one in spring training this year on a shift mm-hmm. that he he was at basically at shortstop, went to his left, made the play, spun through from his knees, and you're like, holy smokes, that was that's about as good as it. And there's some other ones that he comes in on that are hard for most players that he makes look yeah, routine. Yeah, that barehanded play is really hard. Yes. And he can make it, look, he makes make it look routine. Yeah. Just Nolan being Nolan. That's right. From the 314, take it or leave it, the Cardinals will have one no-hitter this year. Hasn't been done it. in a long time. Bud Smith 01? Yep. I will, I'm going to take it, though. Who do you think, Flaherty? Yes. I'm going to leave it. I don't, I don't know how many guys are going to go nine innings. It's going to be tough. Oh, that's a good point. But if you're you're in the sixth or the seventh, you can't take that guy out. So it forces your hand to yeah. keep him in. Who would it be against? I would say a lesser team. The yeah. Maybe with the Pirates. You Pittsburgh. know, you're gonna maybe a shot against them. Yeah. I think we're going to see some, though, this year. And I do think we're going to get to a point where Cardinal pitchers are in such a comfort zone because of Arenado at third, because of the defense, taking nothing away from Colton Wong. Got to have a little luck along the way with yeah, these two. Right. Yep. I just, I, and Flaherty talked about yesterday how he doesn't try for strikeouts. Adam says, I don't, I don't try for strikeouts. These guys can pitch to contact with a lot of confidence now with the infield and outfield defense. So who would be in center on this said no hitter? And Bader. who's in, yeah, Bader. you got a Bader, I think, and then Carlson and Wright, which is your best defensive alignment, but yeah. he's not there. Dylan's going to be fine, though, in center. It's not going to be a problem. Yeah, he's going to be. I, we'll I, see I what happens with Justin Williams. From the 217, 
Take it or leave it. Carlson gets the first Cardinals home run. I'm going to leave it. My money's on Paul Goldschmidt. That's a great guy to have your money on. I was going to say the exact same thing, Michelle. Got to go Goldie or Arenado. Yeah. Or maybe even O'Neal before Carlson. That's what I go with. That, that would be my my three before the one. That's what I'm saying. One more. From the 314, take it or leave it, Arenado has a multi-hit debut. I'm going to take that. Yeah, I'll take it as well. I'm going to take that too. And his hands are going to hurt because it's going to be 35 there in Cincinnati. Yeah, cold. Yeah. We won't be cold, though. No, we'll, we'll be, be fine. We'll be, we'll <laughs> we'll be, be nice and warm. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Uh, yesterday, because Bob Costas is on the West Coast, Michelle and I recorded an interview with Bob, and he is next. I'm Carriker Smallman and Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> To Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Happy opening day. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And our friend Bob Costas joins us. This has kind of become an opening day tradition here at 101 ESPN. Bob, good morning. Th- thanks so much for taking some time with us. How are you? I'm good, Randy. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Bob. So Randy and I were just talking right before you joined us about the tradition of Cardinal baseball, the tradition of opening day, and of course, the home opener here in St. Louis. And you've had a front seat to every big sports moment over the past few decades. You've narrated most of it for us. And so you understand what it means, the deep tradition that St. Louis has with with Cardinal baseball and how it compares to other things. And Randy and I were talking about this and about when this started and how and why it started. Because when you came to St. Louis initially, that era of Cardinal baseball, no one was going to the games in the manner in which they are now. And it seems like they were just really another fan base, the Cardinals were, until Whitey Herzog took over. So I'm just curious from your perspective, when did you think this passion for Cardinal baseball really started? Well, Michelle, you just said it. I happened to arrive in St. Louis in the mid-'70s. That's wedged. The 70s are wedged in between the great 60s era of Ken Boyer and Lou Brock and Bob Gibson and others and three pennants in what a four or five season stretch, 64, 67, 68. Then the seventies were a fallow period and it wasn't a very entertaining team to watch. Then along comes Whitey Herzog and not only do they win, but Whitey is a dynamic personality. He's not afraid to make bold moves and he puts together a team that is distinctive even in the eighties. Now it seems like baseball from another planet because nobody plays that way. But even in the 80s, the Cardinals were distinctive with all the speed and the outstanding defense and the way Whitey used his pitching staff. Uh, Now, and I don't mean this as a put-down of any uh, present or modern manager, and Mike Schilt is an interesting personality, so it's not at all directed toward the Cardinal dugout, but many managers seem almost like technocrats now as if they're taking their their orders from the analytics guys upstairs, not as if because essentially they are. Whitey had a great baseball mind, and he was actually ahead of the curve. He had his own kind of version of analytics before that became in vogue. But most of all, he was just a dynamic personality in an era of Tommy Lasuda's and Earl Weaver's and, and Billy Martin's, for better or worse, in Billy's case. So Whitey gave... The team and identity, so did Ozzie, so did Vince Coleman and others. 
Keith Hernandez before he left for the Mets. It wasn't incidental that the Cardinals had a rivalry with the Mets, uh, and an, an intense one for several seasons in the 80s. So it was vivid. It had texture to it. And at one point, Whitey, who was aware of a whole lot of things beyond what was happening on the field, said, one of our objectives is for the Cardinals to draw 3 million people. And given the size of the market, even though the Cardinals are a regional franchise, given the size of the market itself, for them to consistently draw 3 million was a huge breakthrough. So, yeah, it's the 1980s, just as you said. And even though not every season after that was a great one, most have been, at least a competitive one, that set it in place. What's comparable to that, and it just popped into my head, 1967, the Boston Red Sox had their impossible dream season. Uh, Post-Ted Williams, there was little to root for. Carl Yastrzemski was a great player, but they were always at the bottom of a 10-team league, and they came out of nowhere in one of the great pennant races of all time and then played the Cardinals, lost them in seven in the World Series. Anyone in Boston will tell you that that's where the whole idea of the Red Sox, the modern idea of the Red Sox, of not being able to get a seat at Fenway Park, that's where it was born. No matter what the Red Sox tradition or history may have been, you could have walked up to the ticket counter uh, a minute before the first pitch in 1964 and gotten just about the best seat in the house at Fenway Park. But something clicked in 1967, and it's never been the same since. And in the 80s, something clicked in St. Louis, and it's never been the same since. Bob, I'm glad you brought up Whitey. And I have a story from the pandemic. I was in my basement going through old stuff, and I found a VHS tape of one of the games, one of the first two of the 1982 World Series. You were doing pre and post for it. So uh-huh. I've still got a VHS player for some reason at home. Yeah, it's good. I used to have a flip phone, but eventually I moved into the 21st century, Randy. So anyway, I put this tape in, and I'm watching a little bit of it. Cecil Cooper is at the plate, and Whitey Herzog has a shift on. He's got Ozzie Smith to the right side of second base. It was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't realize that we, we were shifting back then. Yeah, and, you know, you used to go into the clubhouse uh, after a game and into Whitey's office, and he had his various colored pencils, and he had his charts, and he had his stats. So he didn't have all the wherewithal. He didn't have an analytics department, but he had an analytics department in his head. He was just so bold and dynamic, I really think. He is one of the most significant figures in Cardinal baseball history. There's no doubt about that. And you know how these things sometimes go. Uh, people need easy things to hang their hat on. So the Cardinals lost the 85 World Series and the 87 World Series in seven games. If they had won all three instead of just 82, and what was interesting is that 82 was the least dynamic uh, and probably the, the least Uh, formidable of the three Cardinal pennant-winning teams, but they did win the World Series over the Brewers. If they had won all three of those, Whitey Herzog would have gotten into the World Series a whole lot sooner than he did. And even prior, I didn't mean World Series, I meant Hall of Fame, would have gotten into the Hall of Fame a whole lot sooner than he did. Um, And even prior to that, in the 70s with the Royals, he had terrific teams, and he was playing a different style even then because Kansas City had one of the few uh, AstroTurf Parks in the American League, and he was trying to take advantage of his personnel and that approach. And were it not for terrific Yankee teams, uh, who he battled right to the wire like three times in the postseason, he would have been to the World Series with the Kansas City Royals 
as well. So I, I think you could really make a case that Whitey Herzog was the best manager of his era. Bob, I want to ask you about another prolific Cardinals manager, Tony La Russa. How do you think he's going to do in his return to managing at the age of 76? I think it's one of the most interesting stories in baseball this year, Michelle. Uh, I've spoken with Tony. He is raring to go. Uh, <laughs> his energy is there. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and the White Sox, you know, last year was a strange season. Some people may not have followed it exactly the same way as they they have past seasons. And it was a small sample, no question about it, only 60 games. But the White Sox were building towards something even in 2018 and 2019. And the American League Central is kind of a wide-open uh, division. A lot of people think they have the personnel peaking at the right time. They have the personnel to get it done. And even given his longstanding relationship with Tony La Russa, Jerry Reinsdorf would not have made this move if he didn't think that now was the time. This is obviously not a 10-year contract for Tony La Russa. He thinks he's got a team right now that has a chance to win. And he thinks that La Russa is the right guy for a couple of years. Otherwise, he would not have made this move. The great Bob Costas with us on 101 ESPN. Uh, many years ago, 20, 25 years ago, Bob Costas wrote a book called Fair Ball, and it was a fan's guide, made a lot of suggestions to baseball, and many of those were initiated by baseball. Mm-hmm. Bob, as, as you've thought, especially over the course of the last year with not much else to do, I know you think a lot about baseball. Do you have one or two suggestions that you would make now? If you were starting a book now, what would you lead with? Well, the, the first, the primary thing has to be the way analytics, which may be good for gaining a competitive edge, have been terrible for baseball as an entertainment product. And so they've got to take some significant steps. I favor a pitch clock with nobody on base. You want to talk about your VHS tapes? During the time that there was no game, there were no games in 2020 at the Major League Baseball Network, we went back into the archives and showed some classic games. They didn't have to be World Series games. Some of them were just memorable regular season games. And one of the things I was struck by was that if you count the first pitch, so the clock is at zero, there were often three pitches delivered within a 20-second span. Asking a pitcher to deliver one within an 18- or 20-second span shouldn't be such a big deal. And they should also, not just in the aftermath of the Astros' cheating scandal, which was a different motivation, but they should eliminate all in-game video, all consultation of in-game video, other than what you have to look at before initiating a review, and that is on a delay, and will be on a delay going forward. This obsession with video, how in the world did Ted Williams do it? How in the world (laughs) did Stan Musial do it? Uh, Tony Gwynn, by the way, was early on to video, but he reviewed it after the game or before the game. During the game, you can't have guys running down to consult the video. And part of the, the, the result of that is you have a guy step into the box. He takes ball one. He hasn't fouled the ball off. He hasn't dislodged his elbow pad or his batting glove. But he steps out and he thinks about it. What is this, Boris Spassky versus Bobby Fischer for the World Chess Championship? What is he thinking about? Here's what he's thinking about. What has his video review told him that's different on 1-0 as opposed to 0-1 against this pitcher based on the video from July 18th, and now it's August 22nd? This can't be good for baseball as an entertainment product. I also favor outlawing shifts. 
you got to have two fielders on either side of second base. And if you want to outlaw anybody having a foot on the grass, on the outfield grass, whatever you got to do within reason to get the game moving. In 2005, there were more than 1,300 more base hits than strikeouts. Over the last couple of years, not counting 2020 as um, as, a, as a full sample, but going back to 2018, more strikeouts than hits, more strikeouts than base hits. The single is an endangered species, and therefore there are fewer baseball plays. You know, fewer there there are more great athletes in baseball now than ever before. We want to see them do baseball things. We want to see this great crop of shortstops make great shortstop plays. We want to see balls in the gap and relay plays. We want to see guys taking a chance, going from first to third, or trying to score from first on a double. Home runs are great, but they should be a punctuation. They shouldn't be the be-all and end-all. And strikeouts are great, too. But if they become so ho-hum that guys you basically never heard of have a higher ratio of strikeouts to innings pitched than Sandy Koufax did or Bob Gibson did, something's out of whack. And the game's got to get back to something closer to its natural balance. Bob, what is one player, team, or storyline that you're really intrigued by heading into the 2021 season? Wow. Um, I should have thought of this in anticipation of this conversation. And maybe if I could meander along in a few uh, preamble sentences, something will occur to me. Uh, what is it? What is it, Michelle? I didn't Michelle, mean to ask me. you such a tough question, Bob. Yeah, Michelle, it was it was a grill. It was a Mike Wallace type thing. I thought it was about 60 minutes for a second here. I'm, I'm really on the griddle. I'm Michelle sorry. Smallman's uh, at the door. I came with the fastball. I'm sorry, Bob. Well, I'll tell you yeah, what. Yeah, you did. You brushed me back with it. <laughs> One thing I'm really intrigued by is Shohei Otani. Will he be oh, able yeah. to do it? And how is Joe Madden going to deploy him? I think that that is a fascinating storyline. You see, you're so far ahead of me. That's correct. <laughs> I wish I had thought of that. Um, as Randy knows, uh, and everyone who knows me knows, I don't really get going till noon. And where I am, it isn't even 10 a.m. yet. So that's that's my excuse. I haven't even had my first cup of coffee. But Otani is a terrific story. He has been injury prone. And so it isn't just a matter of, of managing his starts and can we DH him on this particular day and how do we use him. Uh, it's it's also not overusing him because the injury factor is significant in his case. But he, he is a fascinating story, and so too is Madden. And Madden is another example uh, of what we were talking about with Larusa. The Angels obviously think that the window is now; that they better get something done right now. Uh, otherwise, you don't bring in Joe Madden because he's in his his mid to late sixties and uh, younger than Larusa for sure, but still not going to be around forever. So you bring in somebody like that when you think you have a chance to contend, then maybe he's just the missing ingredient. Finally, Bob, here we are on opening day, and hope is supposed to spring eternal for all 30 teams. And for a lot of teams, it does. But we head into the season with the Dodgers in the National League, Yankees in the American League as prohibitive favorites. Yankees haven't won since 09. Dodgers won for the first time in more than 30 years last mm-hmm. year. So is it a good thing for baseball to go into the season with those two massive markets and loaded teams as prohibitive favorites? I don't think it's a bad thing because, first of all, in the National League West, the Padres have loaded up. They're not just a good team, but they're a very exciting team to watch. There are a lot of people who think that the Padres might be the second-best team in the National League. And so if they can make the playoffs, 
Uh, it's possible that they would face the Dodgers. There's various ways to get there uh, in modern baseball. And the other thing is the nature. And about the Yankees, the American League East also has some teams that are interesting. And so nothing is guaranteed, but also the nature of baseball, as you know, is different. Once a team is good enough, and this may not be true before they, uh, until when they expand the playoffs perhaps to too great a, a degree, but for the moment, if a team is good enough to get into the playoffs, they are probably good enough to beat any team in a short series, to beat any team in a best of five, to beat any team in a best of seven. So you got to run at least a three level, assuming you're not a wild card. You got to run a division series, an LCS, and a World Series gauntlet against teams good enough to make it to the postseason. That's why the odds are really against any team. If you want to take the Yankees making it to the World Series in the American League and the Dodgers making it to the World Series out of the National League and give me the field, I'll take that bet. That bet. I don't think that's such a bad bet. Not because the Dodgers and Yankees aren't clear favorites. They are. But because the nature of the long season and the nature of baseball just make it more difficult to say than in some other sports. This is clearly the team that's going to get there. That's the Hall of Famer, Bob Costas. I always enjoy hearing you talk about baseball. We love it, and we wish you the best of seasons in 2021. Hopefully we can talk again soon. Thanks, Randy. Thanks, Michelle. Happy opening day. Happy opening day to Bob, and there is nobody who speaks with more thought or nuance about the game of baseball than Bob. Or really about anything. No, that's right. <laughs> you could ask Bob Costas about plunging a toilet, and he could talk to you about the veracity with which someone was plunging the water as it gushed over the ceramic basin. I mean, he is on another level. Bob Costas has never said, um. Never. <laughs> which I is wonder, incredible. <laughs> I wonder if he has a word of the day. How does he brush up on his vocabulary? Is it something he just has? I don't know how he does that. We'll, we'll ask him sometime. It is opening day. Michelle, Dan, and Randy with our MLB predictions for 2021. Next on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We're going to have a little bit of a late edition of the fight today. Right now, we want to bring you our predictions for the 2021 baseball season. And Michelle, we'll take the helm here. Yeah, it's opening day. We need to make some predictions. So yeah. why don't we do three predictions for your St. Louis Cardinals? Okay. And then we'll do three general baseball predictions. Okay, guys. So first up, who is your Cardinals MVP for the 2021 season? Well, guys, if the Cardinals are to win... They're going to have to, we, we always talk about the protection that Arenado and Goldschmidt are going to provide. Who's going to protect those guys? I think the guy that needs to have a big season, that is going to be valuable, and he showed it during the spring, is Paul DeYoung. I, I think that's your Cardinal MVP, and I don't, in my opinion, he's the guy that's going to make the engine go. I wonder what fans may think of what we're going to say during this segment. However, I will go with Amundo Sosa. He's Swiss Army Knife. He's going to be all over the place. He's like a new version of Yaro Munoz. Munoz? Yaro. Yaro. That's right. Jairo Munoz. How soon we forget. How soon we do forget. I'm going uh, a little bit off the beaten path here, you guys, but 
I really look at the Matt Carpenter situation, and I think when he's used, he might surprise you there in spring training. But everything we're hearing from the Cardinals and from Carpenter himself is that he has found his swing. The exit velocity looks great. Really? And, and I think when he comes in, if he can be that power off the bench when mm. called upon, he could be the Cardinals MVP. Wow. What about wow. the what about the home runs leader? Home run leader. Well, this is easy because the Cardinals have you, you mentioned exit velocity for Marp. The Cardinals have always talked about this guy's exit velocity. They needed a left-handed bat. He's going to face a ton of right-handed pitching. He really got hot in the last week of spring training and uh, the guy that is going to hit for power this year is Justin Williams. He's going to be right there in the middle of the lineup. He's going to hit a ton of home runs. My home run leader, he's inspired for another season is Yachty. Uh, home run leader of this team. No question about it. I think he's got kind of fountain of youth kind of thing. And you know what? He wants to get another contract. I'm going Yachty. I'm going to also have another surprise pick here. What about Harrison Bader, you guys? He's always been thought of as a guy that had the juice, had the power. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not juice. Once but, he plays. Once yeah, he plays, once obviously. He plays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Call. And what about your wins leader for the Cardinals? I'm going to go Matthew Libertor. Uh, I think there's going to be some surprises along the way. He'll get that call up and immediately be inserted into the rotation and uh, I, I'm looking Matthew Libertori. I you know unfortunately the, the, you have injuries or you know guys aren't productive and you got to make changes I'm going Matthew Libertor. Guy that's done it before he's won 17 games in a season I'm going with Carlos. I'm going with Carlos as well Randy he's playing for a contract he knows the opportunity that lies before him and I think he's going to take the reins and run with it. Okay what about your NL Central winner let's take a look at some big picture stuff here. Well, I went with the Pirates, and when you think about Key Brian Hayes, he is just a sensational young talent, an amazing young talent. I think he's going to be the best player in the league at the end of the season. Potentially, and Mm -hmm. uh, I think, you know, you always have surprises. There's going to be somebody that you're just not expecting. I'm going with uh, Pittsburgh. I'm going with the team that we're seeing today, the Reds. I really like their lineup, despite the fact that they didn't score last year. How can you not like the names on the back of the jerseys? Uh, they've got a really strong bullpen, and the only question they really have is can they effectively replace Trevor Bauer? But I think you look at the top of that rotation and the depth and the young pitching that they have, I think it'll be the Reds. I'm going with the Cubs. While they have a lot of question marks, I think you have guys there that need to make a statement. They know that their time might be limited in Chicago. We're talking Chris Bryant. We're talking Anthony Rizzo. So I have the Cubs pulling away with the NL Central. All right, which two teams do you guys have in the NLCS? Guys, I'm buying into what Greg Amsinger said, and I think the Dodgers, the egos might get in the way. The lack of reps are going to get in the way. Mm. And I'm going to go with the uh, NL Central champion Reds against the wild card Padres. I'm going with the uh, Rockies and the Pirates. I think, you know, we've talked a lot about how these teams have struggled, but when you look at how the Rockies, by getting rid of Arenado, giving other players a chance to show what they can do, you know, it's all about opportunity. So I, I think the Rockies are really going to surprise some people. And I know, you know, you look at the Padres and the Dodgers, everybody's pick in the West, but you got to look at how well the Rockies have been constructed. That's right, Dan. Great point. I do have the Dodgers in the NLCS facing off against the Cubs. I really think that the Cubs are going to find a way to get it done this season. And final, oh, excuse me. What about the ALCS? Who do you have in the ALCS? I have the Yankees. Mm-hmm. And what happened to Mike Matheny's second year with the Cardinals? I'm going 13. Okay, you're going Kansas City. Oh, they then? went to the World Series. Yeah, they did. Uh, Orioles, Rangers for me. 
Orioles, Rangers. So I, as well as you, Randy, have the Yankees. And I think the Astros have just been so innovative, finding ways to cheat that they're going to do it again. And I have the Astros going to the ALCS. Yeah. All right. So finally, who is your World Series matchup and who's your World Series champion? I have the Royals beating the Reds in six. I've got uh, the Orioles going to postseason play, obviously, one of the big surprises. And, uh, you know, it's going to be one of the great turnarounds in sports. I have the Orioles winning the World Series. I love that out of you, Dan. Okay, so I have the Cubs and Astros, the Cubs defeating the Astros in six. And from the 314, um, miss the beginning of the segment. What the hell is going on right now? <laughs> That's from the 314. We're just being real, dog. Yeah. We're just being we're real. We're not going to just pick the Dodgers like everyone else. We really drilled into the numbers, and Dan found a way to make the Orioles be good this year. And and the Rockies. And the Rockies. It's, and it's all about opportunity. That's why you trade Arnado. That's why oh. you do it. I'm just looking at my phone here. Just seeing what the time date is. is. What, oh. What's the date? It's I April will, 1st. It's April 1st. April Fool's. April Fool's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, I, I was uncomfortable during that segment, and none of these picks are legitimate. Um, no, none of them. Because the text line, if you didn't know it was April Fool's, people are going ballistic and screaming at all of us. And why are you on radio? You guys, why do you have jobs? Yes, correct. You're an idiot. Uh, we're just joking. Okay? I saw a couple. Dan picking the Rockies. Is he Rocky Mountain High right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, no, it's April Fool's. It's April Fool's. Those are not our picks. Sorry if we made you angry with some of those picks. <laughs> People are fired. I was trying oh, to angry. sell it. I was trying but, to sell it. But you have to pick something outrageous for the April Fool's joke we to do. land. Yep. So hopefully you picked up as we were doing. <laughs> this. 636, it's sad how long it took me to realize this is April's, <laughs> April Fool's. <laughs> oh, we got to yeah. love this show, LOL. Thank you from the 217. And the good news is, is that we will give you our real picks later we in the will. show. Yes. <laughs> Coming up, we've got the fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Character. Welcome back to Character and Smallma with Danny Mac here on this opening day. It is 841, that time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And we have a late edition of the fight today because we had Bob Costas join us. And then yeah. we had to pull a little April Fool's Day joke on our listeners, Dan. We did. And make sure that everybody knows it was April Fool's. <laughs> I'm not predicting the Orioles to win the World Series. So I'm not on anything. If you, As some of the texters like, you must be on something. No, I'm not. I, it was just an April Fool's joke. That's where we're just having a little fun. It was just a joke. And we just had we had to really sell it. And I appreciated your Rockies. Nolan Arnott was not there. A young guy said the opportunity. I actually started to laugh. Inside, I almost laughed like, yeah, they traded him to give young guys an opportunity. Right. Um, yeah, sure. Sounds great. Yeah, sounds yeah, great. Well, it's traded eight-time gold glover in the middle of his career and prime of his career. And, oh, by the way, I have to pay for it. That's a winning yeah. formula. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. All right, well, let's welcome in Randy's competition today. Justin is with us. Good morning, Justin. How are you? Good morning. Doing good. Just, Hi, Justin. Just, Justin, um, happy opening day to you. Are you a baseball fan? Yes, I am. Okay, good, because you have a baseball-heavy fight this morning. Are you confident good. against Randy? You know Randy is, you know, a, a sports nerd. 
and I mean that in the most affectionate way. So do you do you have confidence when you hear that you're going to take on Randy in these fights? No, none at all. Good. Great. <laughs> awesome. Well, go get them. Here well, we yeah. go. Good luck, Justin. Question number one. Which Cardinals pitcher holds the record for most opening day starts all time? Is it Bob Gibson, Adam Wainwright, or Dizzy Dean? Uh, Bob Gibson. Okay. Jack Flaherty, Max Freed, and what other opening day starter uh, were high school teammates at Harvard Westlake Prep in California? Tyler Glasnow, Lucas Giolito, or Shane Bieber? Uh, Tyler Glasnow. Justin, John Nagowski has officially made the Cardinals roster. What Major League Baseball team drafted him in the 2014 Major League Baseball draft? Is it the St. Louis Cardinals, the Oakland Athletics, or the Chicago White Sox? Um, I don't know, Cardinals. And Yadier Molina has made 16 consecutive opening day starts. Today will be number 17, making him the second catcher in the history of the game with as many as 17 in a row. Which catcher holds that all-time record? Is it Johnny Bench, Yogi Berra, or Pudge Rodriguez? um, Go Johnny Bench. All right. All right, checking our score here. And Randy is on his way back in. Justin, what do you do for a living? I'm a machinist. Okay, do you listen to 101 a lot? I try to. That's my man. Randy, (laughs) grab your uh, headphones or whatever they call them. And uh, say hello to Justin. Hi, Justin. How are you this morning? I'm doing great, Randy. I am glad to hear that. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Randy, question number one. Yes. Which Cardinals pitcher holds the record for most opening day starts all time? As a member of the Cardinals? Yes. My guess is going to be Bob Gibson. Danny Mac right. shielding his paper yeah. there from Randy. Everybody accuses me of cheating on these things, so no, no I'm not. Jack Flaherty, Max Freed, and what other opening day starting pitcher were high school teammates at Harvard Westlake Prep School in California? Oh, man. Oh, Lucas Giolito. I appreciate you trying to sell that, Randy. John Nagowski is officially a member of the St. Louis Cardinals. What Major League Baseball team drafted him in the 2014 Major League Baseball draft? I'll do the lifeline here. I don't even know. Was it the Cardinals, the really? Athletics, or the White Sox? He's 28. I'll go with the Cardinals. Hmm. I don't know. Yadier Molina has made 16 consecutive opening day starts today, number 17, making him the second catcher in the history of the game with as many as 17 in a row. Which catcher holds the all-time record? All-time record of 17 opening day starts in a row. Pudge. Emily, ring the bell. We have a winner and still champion, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. Yeah. As Randy, Randy pounds his chest and kisses <laughs> the sky. Yeah. Celebrating his victory over Justin. Sorry, mm-hmm. Justin. Randy beat you three to one. <laughs> Should have been four. Yeah, but Dan with the disapproving hmm. After yeah. your after your third answer, mm-hmm. Randy. That was a no-go for oh. me. Oh. Correct. <laughs> On the John Nagowski 
question. You're an MVP form today, Randy. All right, let's reveal our answers. Bob Gibson is the Cardinals pitcher that holds the record for most opening day starts all time with 10. Flaherty freed Giolito. Giolito will go for the White Sox today. It was not uh, Glasnow or Bieber, but Lucas Giolito. They all were teammates at one point in high school. The big Nagowski, John Nagowski, was drafted in 2014 by the Oakland Athletics in and the 34th round. Should have known that. Should've. Disappointed in I him. do now. Molina has made 16 consecutive opening day starts today, number 17, uh, making him the second catcher in Major League history with as many as 17 in a row, which catcher holds that all-time record. It is indeed Ivana Pudge Rodriguez. Do you know how many? 18. 20. Ooh, 20 in a 20. row. That's 20. amazing. Yeah, that is. Really impressive. 20 in a row. Wow. wow. Justin, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Thanks. Appreciate it, Justin. Mm-hmm. That's the fight on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we gave you our... April Fool's Day predictions. Our real predictions coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, so we're talking a little bit. We're going to get to our predictions in just one moment, but I have to tell you guys a story. So a few years ago, after Barry Odom was fired, somebody, uh, we were talking about potential coaches for the Mizzou football program, and somebody texted in, 65780, and says, Jesus Christ himself couldn't win with the Mizzou football program. So I texted Jesus, or I tweeted, Jesus M. Christ. I said, hey, uh, I got this text. Any interest in the Mizzou football program? And Jesus M. Christ tweeted back. He said, haven't I been tortured enough? <laughs> I'm not touching that. From Emily or from M- Michelle talking about the Illini and that. Sister Jean. And yeah, I'm not. Nope. Lightning is going to strike Listen, us down. All I was saying about Sister Jean is that she called in a personal favor from the Lord. And I don't appreciate that. It feels like an NCAA violation. If we can't give duffel bags of cash, she shouldn't be able to call in a favor to the big man upstairs. All I'm saying. You both are. I'm moving back and finding another studio to do this in. All I'm doing is, is pointing out their tight relationship. A lot of hours yeah. logged there. Probably. Yeah. But I'm not touching it. And uh, by the way, tomorrow is, hope we hope you have a good Friday. All right. Uh, it's good Friday. Get it? Right. I, got I get it, it Randy. First time yeah. I got it. Yeah, I got it. All right. So should we? Bad then. So now that we've pulled an April Fool's joke on everyone, should we give our real predictions Let's for the 2021 season? These are real. These are real. These are real. So feel free to torch these on the text line because yeah. these are not a joke. Okay. Who do you guys have as your Cardinals MVP for the 2021 season? I, I have Goldschmidt. I, I think if if he's going to be, if the lineup stays this way, and whether they hit two or three or three or four, I think Goldie hitting in front of Arenado, he's finally going to get times where you know the opposing pitcher doesn't pitch around him and last year he just didn't expand his own very often so he's taking a lot of walks I, I see more power numbers out of him so I'm going to go with Paul Goldschmidt and you're going to get your great defense out of him too and I'm going with Arenado so am I I'm picking Nolan Arenado I think he's finally in St. Louis this is the place he wanted to be and I wouldn't be surprised if we see that translate to his play who do you guys have as your home run leader for the Cardinals Nolan Arenado is Again, my home run leader. I'm going with Arenado as well. That's and, how he's going to win the MVP. And I'm going for Paul Goldschmidt. Everything okay. you said, Dan, I think he's going to get a lot of great looks this season. All right, and who's your wins leader for the Cardinals? Jack Flaherty. I think he's going to have a solid year. I'm going with Jack Flaherty, but 
the April Fool's choice of Carlos Martinez might not be wrong because of what you said, Michelle. He's motivated. He's in the last mm-hmm. year of his contract. He's done it before. If he's healthy, he could be a guy that gives you 16, 17 wins. But I'm going with Jack Flaherty as well. And sometimes the wins leader is not necessarily as crazy as it sounds your best pitcher. Oh, Absolutely. Yes. You know, it's run support. It's, yes. you know, you look at ERA, those kind of things. But I'll go with Flaherty. I think he's going to get some run support this year and win some ball games. I'm going with Adam Wainwright, who I think is going to have another great season for the Cardinals. The reason I didn't pick Jack Flaherty, Dan, is exactly what you said. He has not gotten great no. run support over the past few seasons. And a lot of times you look at his record and it doesn't tell the whole story. And I hope that that does change this season. But I'm going with Adam Wainwright. I, I, I could see that, too. I can make a case for C-Mart. I can make a case for a lot of guys. You don't like it, hit better. Yeah. Jack. <laughs> Very, You're on a roll right now, he Randy. He really is. And you haven't even brought up death. He's in for, Don't tempt him, Dan. I know. Don't tempt I think, him, Dan. I think we talked about that crucifixion. Well, near, close. Well, now he's All right, let's it. move now on. Now he's mentioned it. Okay. Terrible. Who do you have winning the National League Central? Cardinals. Does Cardinals. It, I was going to say, do any of us not have the Cardinals? Okay. Who is in the NLCS? Dodger and Padre. Same. I agree with that. Same. All right. What about the ALCS? I think Tony La is going to get there with the White Sox. Uh, I like the White Sox and the Yankees. I'm... Again, on the exact same page as you. Okay. We are all in lockstep. I have White Sox and Yankees, too. And then how about I phrase it this way? Do any of you have a World Series champion other than the Dodgers? I do not. I don't either. I, I don't either, although I, uh, I go back and forth. I really like the Yankees this year. I think it's going to be the Dodgers and the Yankees in the World Series. I think if, if Judge and Stanton can stay healthy, they're going to have monster years, monster season, uh, but I still love the depth of the Dodgers. I actually like Tony's pitching in the playoffs better than I like the Yankees. I do too, actually, but I like their lineup if it's healthy. And that, that's the the big thing, if it's healthy. And so I'm going Dodgers over White Sox in the World Series. Yeah, mm. And those guys have not been healthy at all. They've hardly no. played together since they acquired uh, Stanton. They have been together, Dan, I think 12% of the games yes. that the Yankees have played. Judge crazy. Stanton have played together. 12%. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that those two guys change that lineup clearly when Absolutely. they're in there together. All right. Well, let's see how well our picks fare this season. Well, hopefully they're better than my uh, my college basketball picks. Although I still have Baylor alive. And we have to turn these over to Emily because she's going to maintain these until the end of the baseball season. Okay. And then we'll see how we did. All right. Good. Coming up, we've got a late edition of Sick of It on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We're going to talk to Joe Buck in about 10 minutes. So get your text in quickly for I'm sick of it on 101 ESPN. This is a result of Bradley Beal's wife after he scored 47 and his Washington Wizards lost by 12. She just put on Twitter, sick of it. So that's what we are. Uh, kids, I have participated in NCAA bracket pools since I was a very young man. I would say my first bracket pool was probably when I was maybe 18, 19 years old. So we're talking about 40 years of bracket pools, and I still haven't won one. So NCAA bracket pools, sick of it. Wow. Mm. You haven't won one. Never. Not once. And your Megamind, which tells you how hard it is to pick this tournament and to pick these teams to advance. It sure does. Maybe you shouldn't be an expert on local radio then. That might be. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm sick of that whole stupid tournament. I know. Can't wait for it to be over. Can't wait for next Tuesday so we don't have to talk about it anymore. <laughs> Terrible. But you know what I'm really sick of? The Blues losing. 
I need the Blues to turn it around. We need the Blues to get it in gear so they make the playoffs. I'm sick of the Blues losing. I'm sick of cardboard cutouts at sporting events. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, I know there some of those are just adorable, but I... Uh, like Randy you know, and I? Yeah, you know, you got, well, you guys are great. In the green great. seats, front row. It was awesome. You got that the, was awesome. Best the, seat I've ever had. <laughs> you got the seats with the, you know, the pets and all that stuff. I, I, it's great. You know, it served a purpose for a while, but let's get some bodies in there that are cheering. By so the, we will. Yeah, by the way, at the character household today, as Dan and BT call the game on FS Midwest... No, uh, Bally's. Uh, see, I wow. already messed up. Come Good on, Bally's Midwest. Well yes. done. Uh, Joan has purchased hot dogs, Cracker Jacks. Uh, we've got all the baseball fair going for the game. Are you doing that? Yeah. You're going to do uh, hot dogs? What else? Uh, Burgers? Uh, nachos? Uh, and we, I guess they, last week we were talking about fries. They sell Arby's curly fries in the store now. They frozen, do. In the frozen section. So we got some of those too. Okay. It's going to be a healthy day at the character house know it you know it yeah i i wish i could get a home plate box so that i could make some home plate tater tots i bet if you go on amazon you can find one you can find anything on the internet that's for sure all right we'll we'll find one what do we have on the text line 65780 here's emily from the 314 i'm sick of not knowing what randy's carrot cake tastes like Uh, you wouldn't be if you tasted it you'd love it it's so good no problem buddy and here's I got your the back. thing. If you follow me on Insta, between now and the time I reach 3,000 followers, not only am I going to make a carrot cake for that valued follower and listener, a, and, and it's going to be a random person between now, like when I had 1,800 or 2,800 and 3,000, not only am I going to prepare that carrot cake on the Traeger grill, I am going to deliver that to your house. Will you hang out with said person? I will for a while. Okay, good. Yeah. So I'm at 2841. So everything between 28 and like 3,020, uh, you have a chance to get that carrot cake. At RJ Carriker, follow him. Yeah, on the Insta. And while you're there on the Insta, follow Scoops with Danny Mac and follow M. Smallman, please. We beg of you. <laughs> Absolutely. We're begging. <laughs> yeah, it's come to that. We beg of you. From the 314, I'm sick of people thinking the Cardinals are a top-end team in baseball. They are t- I, I think that we're pretty realistic. People mostly have them fourth, fifth at best in the National League. They aren't with the Dodgers or the Padres. They right. aren't with the Yankees or the White Sox. But they're in that level below the Dodgers, Padres, Mets, P- Braves. I-, I would say they're probably number five. I'd be, I'd be interested to see. Well, I, I think if Michaelis comes back, that's a that's a big one. You're gonna get a, you're gonna get KK back, but how the rotation settles in in the year, and if they have to ad, ad, address that come you know trade deadline time, mm-hmm. and if you're in a position that you know all of a sudden you have a chance to win, and you go out and get a top line starter, I think you would feel a lot differently about this team. I'm waiting to see what the offense does too. Absolutely. I mean, that's to me, that's the number one question going into this. Can they hit? And if you look at the last 25 years, just look at the World Series winners and compare that to the best team in the game. The World Series winner not only doesn't always win, but rarely is the best team in the league. Well, you get hot at the right time. That's what it's all about. Being the best team in October, not being the best team for six months. Yep. From the 314, I'm sick of of the Cardinals downplaying injuries with players they know will be out for the season. Get used to it. I'm surprised they're not. Well, they're sick of it. It's happened. Yeah. I, you know, I, again, with Michaelis, wait and see. I'm hopeful. Fingers crossed. I'm not overly optimistic with it, but 
you know, we'll see. Hmm. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thank you very much for your text to the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. By the way, on the 314, and this is why th- this person says, and this is why every sentence starts with if on players we've seen inconsistent play from for many years. If you think we're the only ones talking about it, you've lost your mind. Every single city wakes up this morning. I'm looking up at MLB Network, and they're, they got a thing with Lindor. Well, the, the Mets fans are saying, yeah, they, they could be really good if Noah mm-hmm. Syndergaard comes back, if Jacob deGrom stays healthy. Carrasco is healthy. If Carrasco is the yeah. guy. that they, I mean, every team is waking up doing the same thing. Except maybe the Dodgers. I think yeah. they might feel pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Joe Buck on opening day next with Carriker Smallman and Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Randy, Michelle, and Danny Mack, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line to wish a happy opening day to our town's Joseph Buck. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I know Terry Crouppen. <laughs> that is a strong way to open. <laughs> Because I'm telling you, Joe, if you have a problem, if you've had a problem with talc, or if you were in a car accident, you just need to call Terry Crouppen and he'll take care of you. And he knows the best sandwiches in town. Uh, yeah, no, I know that. And the talc thing may be real. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much addicted to talc. So, uh, yeah, I just if you can, text me as sell, would you? Yeah, you, <laughs> you got it. Hey, uh, I want to start with this because we all know that you're a huge fan of the St. Louis Blues who are scuffling of late. And uh, Michelle, a few years ago, came up with the panic bus when things were not going particularly well for the Blues. Would you suggest that at this moment you are on the panic bus? Yes, yes, I am. Uh, I'm firmly entrenched. I might be driving it. Uh, oh, wow. I, I think a lot of the Blues themselves uh, are probably on the panic bus uh, wondering kind of what's going on and, and when this team can get healthy and how they kind of get back to their game and whatever it is. But the scoring is just so frustrating and the inability to put the puck in the net and everybody's been shut down. So I know they miss Pareko a lot and I know that that sets up a lot on the back end, but they've got to find ways to, to get more points on the board, so to speak. And if they don't, then it's, it's not going to be a long postseason if at all. Joe, I was really surprised. A lot of my friends in Chicago jumped on the panic bus when Tony LaRusso was announced as the new manager of the White Sox. And I tried to calm them down. I tried to get them off the bus. But I want to know from you, how good do you think the White Sox can be? And what do you think Tony LaRusso's return to baseball will be like? I think he'll do well. You know, he, we all those of us who would know him in this city know him as a grinder. Uh, and, and I don't think anybody uh, puts more time in. And, and Tony will tell you that's cost him a lot in his personal life uh, over the years. But I, I know that he's going to try to make this work to the best of his ability. I think he'll have a bit more of an open door policy. He's bounced around in, in organizations now since he left here. And I think he's gotten probably a good cross section of how things are done uh, in major league baseball these days, kind of the newer age, the way analytics are used. I, I think analytics are great. Uh, I I've talked to Tony about this. So does he, but, but I think at, at times there is a total reliance on analytics. And we saw it last year during the world series that, uh, Snell's blowing through the Dodgers in a one-run game in game six, and it, it felt like a pitching move that was made at 2 o'clock in the afternoon 
came to fruition with Mookie Betts coming up, who'd been crushing right-handed pitchers, and they take Snell out, bring in a right-hander, Betts doubles, tie game, Dodgers go on top, and they win it in game six. So I I think some of that stuff's good. It's a way to quantify uh, what you're looking at, but there has to be room for using your eyes, knowing what guys are going through in their personal lives. I mean, the raw data does not uh, a baseball game make, and I, people do. And some people are struggling. Some people got no sleep. So you saw so-and-so in the bar last night late. Maybe you're worried about uh, how clear-headed he is today or somebody's fighting with their spouse. Or I mean, these are people. and, and they, they, So there has to be room for managers to, to look in somebody's eye and see if that guy looks like somebody that wants the ball hit to them with the game on the line. I think Tony... Tony will will strike a great balance with that. I, I think he's the least of their worries. They have to stay healthy. Um, they lost uh, a really big bat in Jimenez, and if if they you know that, that's a five or six month thing, they may not get him back, and and that's a big piece that that they're not going to have. It, it appears for the majority of the year, if at all. Hey Joe, you have spent time with all of the best managers and coaches in baseball and football, and I guess Belichick is the one guy because I've never been around him that I, I would ask this question about. Have you ever met another coach or manager where it's more important to have their name attached to a win or a loss every day? Uh, meaning Tony, like with like yeah, with as as compared to Tony, yeah. I can't think of anybody that is more intense about, and I think that he had to manage because he has to have a win or a loss in his life every day. Yeah, I think sometimes, and this is just my opinion, but I think sometimes when you've got a player that, or a, a manager, I should say, that that had a, a good career, uh, maybe not, you don't see a lot of, of players that had great careers or Hall of Fame careers. There are some, certainly, uh, who become managers or who want to get into the whole coaching thing because a lot of times those guys made enough money, especially uh, today's game, uh, that they don't want to deal with it. So uh, I, I think sometimes when they have a cup of coffee in the big leagues or, or they never got to the big leagues, now they want to – uh, have that win or loss attached to their name, and it's their moment to to kind of drive the bus. You see a guy like Bruce Bochy who had a, a tremendous, a really good long career of being a a really viable catcher and and at times good hitter. And you knew that he didn't have to put his stamp on the game every day. He kind of let guys go out and play. And uh, you know, I, I think in the case of Tony, he's in the other camp, and and that's probably what what has made him so great and a hall of famer and somebody that uh that cares like he does but i i just man every day i would go into his office and he and i were close we still are and i would say you know how you doing uh, and and dan mclaughlin knows this every time the he would answer i'll let you know 10 o'clock you know it's his his day's mood was based on a win or a loss and and i don't know that that's the case for everybody else i think belichick's a good a good example of that. Um, and that, and the two are very good friends uh, and spend time together in Florida. And, and I think there's a lot of mutual respect between those two, but, but I, I think as far as people I've met in the game of baseball, Tony is number one uh, in that category. Joe, I have twins and I'm very disappointed. You haven't called me for advice on raising <laughs> these twins. It's an absolute I'm wrong just show. stumbling around in the dark. Uh, it's literally. A and figuratively, it is—it's a lot. And and to, 
you know, I've been open about it and my wife's been open about it. So this isn't uh, oversharing, but they're IVF babies. So they're twins in that they were born at the same time, but they, they certainly didn't have to be. That's just the way we went about it. My wife was 40, 41 when she got pregnant and they put two embryos in and they said, you know, we're hoping to get one, but you have to be you have to be ready to have two at the same time. And, and our, our opinion was always, that's fantastic. Cause we're both not, we're not young and, and we're going to, they're going to have each other to, to play with over time. But, but these early years, as you well know, uh, it, it's a lot and they're so different. That's why I say that about being IVF babies. I mean, they are twins only because they, they were brought into this world at the same time. One's bigger, uh, the other one's really verbal. The bigger guy like can crush tin cans with his bare hands, and the <laughs> the little guy just kind of would uh, rather. Yeah, he's I think could get like twelve hundred on his SATs <laughs> right now. So they're just they're they're just totally different, and that's that's great. I I, I love it that way, but it's it's a lot of work, oh, as you know. Uh, yes, I do. With two others, it's a lot of work. Um, During a pandemic, it's yeah, a lot of work. Too. We, yeah, I thought having our. Uh, our Doug the dog, you know, they was our pandemic dog, and I thought that was enough. And then you add twins on top of that, and then two other kids. Yeah, it's been a hell of a time in the old McLaughlin household, let me tell you, Joe. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> a lot of fun, good times. I, um, it is. Yeah, I, I got to ask you, you know, I don't know in where you sit with this. I, I don't know if the average fan would care whether the broadcasters have access to players. So getting back down on the field, and I'm sure at your level it's different than with a local level. Maybe they made that a little bit easier for you, but it, it certainly makes for a better broadcast. If you can go in and talk to Mike Schilt and it's not over Zoom with you know him staring at a screen and, and 30 other media people, as you know, we, we have intimate relationships with these players and sure. personnel. So do you think that's going to get back to that, and has it affected your job as much as maybe as it's affected some others? Yeah, I, we're no different. In fact, we probably have less because we're dropping in. Like I'm doing Philly, uh, Atlanta on Saturday. <clears throat> I'm about to get on a Zoom call with uh, Zach Wheeler, who's pitching. And, I mean, he doesn't know me. And and I think the, the real issue is when they're doing Zoom calls, you don't know as the person who's the subject who's on the other end of that call. And so a lot of the, as you said, we know these, these people – uh, intimately, I, I think a lot of that intimacy is gone because they you're just talking into a screen and you, you, it's just a total disconnect. So we went through the entire NFL season that way. Um, we will do it, I'm sure, the same way this year for baseball here at the beginning. I, I would love to be able to go back to the way it was. I, I just hope that these different sports, be it MLB or the NFL, don't say, well, you know, we got along fine during the pandemic without you guys having uh, face-to-face contact with manager, player, head coach, offensive coordinator. So we're going to do it that way going forward because I'm with you. I, I think when you don't have that personal knowledge um, and it just becomes kind of a quote machine and, and really nothing of substance on, on these Zoom calls, it, it's it's uh, there, there's something that's gone that I think we as the game announcers can relay to a, a, an audience that cares um, information that they can't read or they don't read or that it, it's fresh. And, and that's really the only time you get fresh stuff is when you have face-to-face uh, meetings, contact, talking down on the field before the game, talking around the batting cage. 
that that's that's the most valuable stuff we get. Yeah, and I'm concerned about the game as a whole, just as it's played. I think analytics has a great part in the game. It's it's great for the game, but we are going down a time where your twins may not like this game. Uh, maybe it's too slow, and all of a sudden your twins grow up, or those kids that are out there they grow up, and they're the they're the ones that buy the tickets and buy the suites and and do the advertising. Um, so that concerns me. And we're told, hey, tell the stories of these players, and that's one way in a slow game like baseball that you can engage those people to tell them who these guys are. And if we don't have that ability to do that, I don't know if you're with me on this, but I kind of see where I'm going, but that, that concerns me a little bit. Yeah, and, and you, know, you, you know it like I know it when you're on the bus with these players, when you're on the late-night flight with these players, when you're checking in bleary-eyed to a hotel in Philly at 3.30 in the morning, you get a sense for who these people are. And, and again, it gets back to that. It, it's, it's the difference between, you know, looking at somebody as just a player and being able to look at somebody that's, that's a person and, and kind of round out the picture. So I'm with you. And I, and, and the, the game itself, I mean, the baseball knows it. I'm not sure that the player association wants to hear about it or Agreed. make any substantive changes, but uh, there, there is a lack of action. And the numbers are stunning just with the strikeouts that are up, the singles that are down the game I fell in love with. And and when you start down this path, especially as the national guy and Smoltz has done it, then you get labeled a dinosaur and then you get labeled. Well, he hates the game. No, he he actually lives and loves the game in the case of John, but he's not really thrilled with the, with where the game is, is headed uh, and, and the way it's, it's managed and taught and what these players are trying to do. So I think that's the real issue, and it's, it's a lack of action. And the game I fell in love with was get them on, get them over, get them in, steal a big base, get a, get a guy in with a ground ball, a fly ball, just the, the inability to, to hit to a wide open side of the field. When logic is not a part of it, and, and li- I mean, in the postseason, in a one-run, two-run game, and, and the whole infield is swung around to the right for a left-handed batter, and, and they can't get on base to try to get something started, that, that's, that's just it's silly. It's, and and there, that's where logic goes right out of the window. And sometimes you can text Al Roboski on a late-night bus ride, and, and then I get blamed for it, and then he stands up and yells at me. I don't know if you remember doing that to me, but I do remember <laughs> that. Thanks a lot. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, that was, uh, that was fun. That, yeah, that, that was stuff. really good times. Thanks a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. Joe, uh... Making his phone go off, making his phone go off. Yeah. Yeah. He was not happy. No, he wasn't. I love that. Oh, uh, yeah. Joe, yeah, opening day is always a, a celebratory day here in St. Louis. Certainly next week with the home opener. That's a holiday here in St. Louis. But do you have a favorite memory from an opening day, whether it's just a general baseball opening day or a Cardinals home opener? I think it was always the anticipation of how a new guy would be introduced, a big pickup. Uh, and in the, obviously I'm thinking this year of, of Arenado and, and what that would be like in normal times. Uh, I, I always had that anticipation or coming off a, a pennant winning year or a world championship, just the, the fever in that stadium and what it would be like for somebody that got the key hit or somebody that, you know, a hero that, that wasn't like a so Taguchi kind of a guy, but you know, not, not a regular, but somebody that came up with a big hit at the right time that, that won a ring. So, uh, you know, just thinking about 
what it would be like. And let's be honest, the, the team is trying to sell itself. The city is trying to sell itself to Nolan as much as Nolan's trying to sell himself to the city and to the team. So that, that's a real shame that, uh, that opening day, it, it's going to be better than it was last year, certainly. Uh, but not having a packed stadium, him not experiencing that as uh, in normal times as a first-year Cardinal really stinks. And 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 that that's just like, man, I can't wait to hear whoever, fill in the blank, when they get introduced, what that's going to be like with this crowd. Joe, we know you have a meeting with Zach Wheeler. We appreciate you taking some time on opening day with us. Enjoy this. We'll be tuned in on Saturday, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. Dan, have a great season. And thank you. Uh, yeah, go get them. Well, I uh, I texted you when you went into or will go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and it's only a matter of time before you go into Baseball's Hall of Fame. You're the best in the business, and I mean that sincerely. And it doesn't. I'm sure it doesn't really mean much coming from me. But well, uh, the hell I, it doesn't. I, yes, it does, I, and I, I don't believe it. But that's nice of you to say. Best Thank in the you. business. Best in the business, undoubtedly. So congratulations. It's so well deserved. Thanks, buddy. You got Thank it. you. Thank you. And I'll be listening to you and stealing your stuff. If- we oh, yeah. have a Saturday Cardinal game. I steal your stuff that I hear on Friday and all all year long. So <laughs> keep an ear out for that. I, I liked it when you uh, I texted you about Paul DeYoung in the All-Star game and you, you read it verbatim off the text. And you, about yeah. him sp- I love that. So that was good. So I'll, I'll definitely. Yeah, I, I will read anything, including, you know. <laughs> something about San Diego. Just send it to my phone. <laughs> You're the best, Joe. Thanks so much. All right, guys. See, See, ya. See ya. Take care. The great Joe Buck with us on 101 ESPN. He's the best. Yeah, he is. He's the best. People don't understand his position of, you know, it's so easy to knock announcers. And especially when you're in the national stage and it's your team that loses. They want people want a pound of flesh, man. They get they get mad. So it's like, I hate Joe or I hate Aikman. I hate uh, Tim McCarver and all that stuff. And these guys do an incredible job. And he's he's really, really good. Two things. He's been the number one guy in the nation for 25 years. Yeah. Now, it's a quarter century mm-hmm. that Joe has been the voice of national baseball. You do it on a local level, but it's heightened on a national level. What Joe does is he makes it look, and you do too, Dan, makes it makes it sound easy. There's so much that goes into a broadcast with all the promos and everything you have to read and listening to two or three people. I, I've never met anybody that watches a baseball game, and I know it's weird to say. I've never met anybody that watches a baseball game better than Joe Buck. Yeah, he's great. And I, I think the other part, too, and I'm sure he would say this, but growing up at the ballpark, growing up around his dad, you you, you take some little... I always say that announcers, if you listen to them, we all are kind of osmosis. You take a little bit of this guy that mm-hmm. you liked and that guy that you liked and that guy... Well, he was growing up listening to the best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The best. And, uh, and it's just, you know, he's just... Falling from the tree, you know, apple from the tree, right? What's the saying? It's uh, apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You nailed it. Yeah, that's it. and that's him. And except he's done it on the television realm, right? You know, and that's a different animal. So I, it's I give him all the credit in the world. He's great. Coming up, it's you're killing me, Smalls on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. And it is time for. You're killing me, Smalls. 
Randy, we have some, and Dan, of course, we have some breaking news oh, coming now out. Oh, you're going to include me. That's in. right. I'm sorry, uh, Dan. Yeah, okay. I just, you're right to my left. You know you're involved. I, I feel you, dog. It's you, all good. You were looking at me. Randy was not. So I had I to kind of you. bring attention to him. But yeah, we do Randy's, have. I don't like it when he does this, by the way. Yeah. Look, pay what attention, are, Randy. What are you looking at on the interwebs there, Randy? I'm just reading about what you're going to talk about. Oh, okay, great. So we do have some breaking news coming out <laughs> of the college basketball world. 101 ESPN breaking news alert. North Carolina announces that their head basketball coach, Roy Williams, is retiring. He led North Carolina to three NCAA championships. He's retiring after 33 seasons and 903 wins as a college basketball head coach. Awesome at KU. Awesome at North Carolina. Never won the big one at KU. Got close. Mm -hmm. But did he win three titles with North Carolina? He He did. did. 2005, which we don't acknowledge. I remember that one. 2009 and 2017. His career mark is 903 and 264 in 33 seasons. If you guys had to take a guess, I'm sure Randy has his age how old do you think he is i was gonna say like 70 you nailed it is it really yeah he's 70 70. yep yeah his birthday is in august so he's about to be 71 wow well hell of a coach hall of famer great 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 coach and that's one of the blue blood jobs you've got north carolina and duke you've got kentucky you've got ucla you've got uh the indiana i think is still a one of those blue blood destination for sure yeah but North Carolina is one of the top two or three. Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke are probably the the ones. Yeah, that, I don't know Indiana's who's on his. Even though they had trouble hiring their I, coach, they I just had trouble hiring a coach. I, I, I think North fringe. Carolina's going to have that problem. But I, I think it's still a blue blood job. UCLA's have, having trouble hiring coaches too. They're not now. Well, because <laughs> the they found one. Yeah, but. It's not easy to, uh, e- even for these blue blood programs, it's not easy to find a guy. But I think North Carolina's one where if they go to Jay Wright and say, you want this job, he'll come there. Mm-hmm. I wonder, well, I wonder, because they like to st- stay in the family too as much as they can. Mm-hmm. I wonder who is on that staff that would uh, be willing or wants it, or would Roy say, hey, I'll step down, but you're going to give it to my assistant that's been here for X amount of years or whatever. Yeah, that did not go well the last time that happened to North Carolina, though. Yeah, I, I understand that, but I do wonder if that would be it, if that if that's the direction they would go. And I found him when he was a coach at Kansas, and they co- they played here pretty often, but he was such a good guy. And then I read about some of the things that happened once he went to North Carolina. I think he became a little bit more uh, difficult to deal with, as it were, mm-hmm. but... Man, when my personal interactions with Roy Williams were great. Yeah, so me too. Yeah. Uh, we went to North Carolina for North Carolina Duke when I was at ESPN. And trust me, guys, I wanted to hate Roy Williams badly because of 2005. And he couldn't have been more gracious to us, more generous of his time. He came to set and did an interview with us. He invited us to practice, closed down the gym afterwards so that we could shoot around. It was incredible. He yeah. was so great to us. Did a lot of ACC games. And so I, I used to do some North Carolina games and he was always tremendous. Same thing. Go to practice. He'd come over, sit there, talk, tell you about his team. He was very, very great to deal with on the media side. You're killing me, Smalls. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but Bruce Arians pulled a Randy Carricker. Tattoo time. Tattoo time. Bruce Arians said when the Bucks win the Super Bowl, he's going to get a tattoo, and he's a man of his word. He executed it. He tweeted a picture of it, and he said he got his tattoo, and he loves it. It's a picture of the Lombardi Trophy and then of the Roman numerals of 55 because that's the Super Bowl they won. And it says Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then it has the, the flag underneath it. I like it. I think you'd do it. I'm not sure if I was a crazed fan, i.e., 
Randall that I would go out and get a tattoo. But as a coach, yeah, why not? Get the tattoo. Well, there's nothing wrong with it. Did it hurt? It, well, I did a show while they were applied. Well, it was being applied, so it wasn't that bad. Yeah. You, I, you hung in there. I think Randy's looks much better than Bruce Arians. I say that with all due respect. Well, that's because Big Dave Canoy yes. over at the Ink Spot in uh, St. Peter's, they also have a location in Troy, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Uh, he applied it, and his work is spectacular. As a matter of fact, our previous guest, Joe Buck, got his done by the Big Dave Canoy as well. Also- What's Joe's tattoo? Uh, it says, like, I don't care, something like that. Oh, okay. Are you going to get a tattoo if the Blues win again or if the Cardinals win? If the Blues win again, I might get another sash that with the year that they win. Okay. In addition to my nice. 2019, I will not get one if the Cardinals win. Why not? One is enough. Because we didn't make a bet. That yeah. was that was a bet that Randy and I made, and I did not think he was going to live up to it. But he I, paid up. He paid. Ten-year bet, too. It was a long time. Maybe you should get some piercings. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't know, do some ears, nose. Maybe, yeah. a, maybe a dangly earring, just a sol- one solo one. Yeah. yeah. I don't think so. Why not? I could see Randy with a hoop. He seems like a hoop guy. Yeah, hoop. MJ has one. You can. You can grow your hair out a little. MJ's make it got a little bit more swag than I do. Yeah, That's it's in the eye of the beholder. I bet Joan <laughs> wouldn't say that. I'm just saying, you, you might want to think about if it. If Randy got the hoop earring, Joan will go I.O. I do. I do. I do. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't You're think killing so. me, Smalls. Okay, Randy, you mentioned this off the top of the show, but I wanted to revisit it. So Major League Baseball released the rankings of their jersey sales for players, and two Cardinals made the list. No surprise, Nolan Arenado checking in at number 11. I'm sure a lot of people that are Cardinals mm-hmm. fans excited to purchase that jersey. And I thought it was amazing that Yadier Molina still checking in at number 15 on the top 20 list. Pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. Uh, I talked to Jim Hayes about this. He went down to the ballpark to interview somebody with the Cardinals. I don't know who it was. Doesn't matter. It's not the point of the story. But he was down there and went to the team store, and uh, there was Arenado jerseys. Mm-hmm. And he went to the the folks that are running the team store, and he said, "Boy, I bet you can't keep these on the shelves." He said, "Well, yeah, there's a lot of lot of people coming in to get the Arenado jerseys, but still, the one we can't keep on the shelves, Yadier Molina. That's wow. amazing. That yeah. is amazing. How about that? But I'm sure a lot of people thinking it potentially could be Yadier's last season, and yep. this is something they want to." by now so they can wear it to the ballpark this year i so when people i was on the riz show yesterday and they're like man it's great you know what do you think yachty's last season i said my response has been that it's awesome to have fans on opening day which everybody talks about for these guys and they say for their final opening day and i'm like well what makes you think it's your final opening day i'm just not sold oh he'll try to continue playing i think so they're gonna have to rip the jersey off those guys big time i really do think that um, just in case you're wondering, here are the top 10 in Major League Baseball jersey sales. You have Mookie Betts checking in at number one, Cody Bellinger, number two. No surprise, Fernando Tatis Jr. at number three. Bryce Harper, number four with the Phillies. Clayton Kershaw with the Dodgers at number five. And then rounding out the top 10, you have Aaron Judge, Ronald Acuna Jr., Francisco Lindor. I bet that number might go up after he signs mm-hmm. that deal. Kike Hernandez and then Mike Trout checking in at number 10. I can't. That shouldn't be that way. Mike Trout should be top five. I agree 100%. But it is what it is. Yep. It's, like you say, Michelle, and it's perfect. It's very apt. He's like an urban legend. He's like Bigfoot because you people, hear how great this guy is. You him. don't see him. Yeah.
And he, as Greg Amzinger talked about with us earlier in the show, doesn't want to be a superstar. Nope. You have Fernando Tatis Jr., who's really embraced this role as mm-hmm. the new face of baseball. He's on the cover of the baseball games. He's in the ads. He's doing all of the interviews. He is selling baseball to a lot of fans. And Mike Trout has never really been interested in that, and that's fine. But as someone who's watched a lot of baseball in my life, the only two things that I can tell you about Mike Trout outside of baseball is that he's from New Jersey and he loves the weather. And he's really good. Outside of baseball. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys right. really broken down his numbers for what he's done in his career? Oh, it's been unbelievable. It's, it's been it's, almost as good as Albert Pujols in his it's start not, to his career. It's top maybe three all-time, and people just don't really follow him. Yeah. And that's a shame. He's remarkable. Yeah. Thanks, Michelle. You got it, guys. Coming up, we're going to cross things over towards the Danny Mac Show with BK here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Cardinals open their season this afternoon at 3 o'clock on Bally's Sports Midwest. Dan McLaughlin and Brad Thompson will have the call on Bally's, and we will be tuned in. Looking forward to the Cards and the Reds. Can't wait. Uh, Just got a text, and I'm going to try to look it up here. Uh, 314, should I be concerned that it's snowing in Cincinnati right now? Yeah, I I would say that would be of concern right now, but we can see what, uh, what the temperature... I know the temperature is supposed to be very cold. I didn't know it was supposed to snow, uh, right now it is 37, according to my weather Doppler on my phone. And it looks like little, yeah, little snow, little sleet coming down. How about classic St. Louis? One time in the 80s, might have been like 87, 88. They, ha- they have the next day open like they do tomorrow mm-hmm. for teams that are opening in case they do get weathered out. The Cardinals opener was snowed out. The next day it was like 63 degrees and perfect. Oh, yeah. That was so quintessential St. Louis. It's supposed to be like that in Cincinnati. It's supposed to be, get nice uh, Saturday and Sunday. So I think like mid-60s on Sunday. I remember doing a game out in Denver where, I mean, it was a pile of snow. Pile of snow. We're at the ballpark and it's snowing like the Dickens and all of a sudden, you know, they call the game and then the next day we're there and it's 65 degrees and sunshine. It's like nothing hit. It's just, that's just weather in April. You're going to get that. I think one of the games already got canceled today because of weather too. I'm not yeah. sure which one that was. Right? was it the, the Red, Red Sox, Sox yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. And if you haven't gone to stlcitysc.com yet to check out the video announcing their partnership with Purina, you need to check it out. Michelle was your hostess, and the video dropped yesterday at 10 o'clock. And what a great partnership between St. Louis City SC and Purina to be on the front of their kits Absolutely. It was such an honor for me to be able to emcee that announcement. I was so excited to do it. But you have two amazing St. Louis brands that are uniting together to continue to build something special in St. Louis. And it's just going to be very cool for soccer fans and pet lovers all over St. Louis. It's awesome. You get great recognition on those jerseys. It's huge. And they're going to have pet adoption events at the games, which will be very cool. Nestle is going to be heavily involved with the the game day experience, obviously, as, you, as we know with the kit. And I'm going to get a kit, by the way, with the, the Purina on the front. Yeah. Love it. Are you? Have you seen yeah. the scarves? I got a scarf uh, after I wrapped uh-huh. the, the taping, and it looks great. No it's surprise. So. John Morosi, by the way, is on MLB Network right now, and they did a wide shot of uh, – the Great American Ballpark, it is snowing. We can confirm that it was snowing at the Great American Ballpark. So it's really cold. It looks like it's going to be a little chilly day there. Yeah. So, so American Ballpark. 
the Great American Ballpark. By the way, going back to the soccer thing, have you guys driven down Highway 40 going towards the downtown area? I haven't seen the stadium going up. It's unbelievable. I mean, they are moving earth, man. Some progress is being made. Yes, it's exciting. It's great to see the progress in our city. And we're roughly two years away from opening Mm -hmm. kickoff in that stadium. And it's going to be remarkable. And when you think about the commitment that the the group the that owns the franchise led by Carolyn Kindle Betts the the commitment that they have to making this more than just a soccer team more That's than just right. a franchise but they really do want to do great things for the city of St. Louis for the region for their community they want to be respectful and responsible to their community it's n- Certainly, it's not like the team that the the pro franchise that left that they're right. replacing as a pro franchise in the Rams. They really do care about St. Louis. One thing they always say when they talk about the team is not only do they want to be a great team, but they want to be a great neighbor. And to your point, every single thing that they have done to this point was so curated and so well thought out about how this team and the stadium and everything is going to be woven into the fabric of St. Louis. There's so many more things at play here than just sports. And I'm telling you, every single thing that this ownership group and this team has done so far, top notch. All inclusive with everybody. That's what mm-hmm. I love about it. I mean, there is every walk of life uh, that you can imagine that they're trying to reach out to to, to make sure that they feel welcome and to, to make it affordable for kids and to make sure that they get involved with a lot of the things that are going on in the inner city to make it enjoyable. And uh, we needed that, and they, they've stepped up in a big way. And, Dan, uh, you and I are, are the same. It's not like we've attended a bunch of soccer games in our lives, even though we've had the opportunity. I, I've covered games. I've attended games. Uh, for FC, but I haven't had much opportunity to really get into it. But the great thing about the sport when you go to it as an event is that you don't have to know soccer to go to a soccer game and have a great time. These people, it'll be tailgating. It'll be be an all-day event. And the the game for some people might be secondary, which is great. I mean, it's an all-day event. And that's the other thing that Michelle hit on. Is is and in you too, Randy. I mean, it's when you go down there, it's the tailgating, but it's the experience around the stadium that they're going to provide that'll be awesome. And I know for a fact one of the things that they're going to try to do is to make it a you know if they're going to play Chicago, well, let's let's talk to what's going on in April with the Blues and Major League Baseball. Can we make this a weekend where? The Chicago teams are here, mm-hmm. and you go to a, a soccer game or a baseball game in the day, and then the the other sport at night, and make it a whole atmosphere of enjoyment for everybody, and just walk down Market Street and go enjoy yourself. Well, and that's the really cool thing. And both mayoral candidates are all about safety. That's their top priority, at least on the commercials that I've seen. But if if they can make downtown more safe, that corridor from that stadium past Union Station, past Enterprise Center, and down through what will hopefully will be a lot of shops and restaurants to the ballpark and then to the arch grounds. Can you imagine if you would have uh, an MLS game, a Blues playoff game, and a Cardinal right. game all on the same day, how much fun that street would be? You could and, just pop down market. And <laughs> yeah. when, awesome. they were, when they were trying to sell it to the city, the, those that run the city, 
It's one of the things they brought up, exactly that scenario. You could have this scenario for a Saturday, beautiful day in St. Louis, and show off the town. And then you got to think about all the commerce that is coming in, Mm -hmm. the people that follow those other teams that they say, what a great weekend. Let's take our family and go watch these events and go on the road and make a weekend of it. And you'll be able to do that. All right. One thing for this afternoon. I'm going to go first. I think Jack Flaherty is going to be dominant this afternoon. One thing. One thing. I think... We are going to see a home run out of Paul Goldschmidt. Okay. Both pitchers dominant today. It'll be a pitching type game that is dominated by the starters, and I think the Cardinals will get into the bullpen of the Reds. Uh, we had three Hall of Fame, four Hall of Fame announcers, because Danny's with us. Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah. You're, Danny's going to the Hall of Fame. But no, I, had... I, I'm in the Viani Hall of Fame. All right. So you're that of, counts. You're a Hall of Famer. Okay. It's on your resume. There you, you go. go. Greg Amzinger. We have Bob Costas. We had Joe Buck. We can't thank them enough. Great friends, great broadcasters, and we do appreciate their time. And we have more for you. And by the way, an unbelievable day here on 101 ESPN. Matt Holiday is going to be here. Uh, it's just going to be a day of guests galore. Michael Gersh, the Cardinals GM, will join us. I believe he's still with the team in Cincinnati, so he's going to hop on board uh, for the next hour. So looking forward to that. Wow. Great. You're having for the whole hour? No, I'm sorry. Just next, next hour. Oh, yeah, I, I, say, I misspoke. Wow. No. Okay. Just for a segment but of the hour. But either way, wow that you have him. Yeah, it's going to be forward great. To that. Looking forward to it. All right, and guys. we'll be tuned in. All right. Thank Thanks, you. Danny. We'll see you in the morning. Sounds great. Thanks. Great job today by our producer engineer, Emily Butcher. Thank you. Thank you. Michelle, this was kind of fun. Kind of. Yeah. Okay, it was super fun. It was super fun. Happy opening day, St. Louis. Same to you and uh, the game. Danny, you'll have it at 3. Hope you'll be tuned in, and we will review it tomorrow when we get started at 7. For all of us, have a great day, and until tomorrow morning at 7, take care, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise. Let me guess. Unknown caller? You could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection. The latest innovation from Discover will help regularly remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data. And we'll do it for free. Activate in the Discover app. See terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.